0: I'm Jesse and I'm Josh and this is slice by slice a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as
1: college kids ancient ones franchises and directors bodies of work and of course we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers
0: all right guys and we're back in this time with an episode that uh is a little bit more lighthearted than the past to you
1: yeah thank god um nice little milestone here for uh episode 25 just gonna bring that up Also, oh, that's kind of funny. We're also at 2,500 downloads now. I mean, mean, we're at episode 41. Um, No, just kidding. That's pretty cool, though, the 25 and the 25 matchup. I didn't even think about that. It's going up in order of magnitude. So thanks, guys, for uh, checking us out. And and new people, uh, if this is uh, your first time listening, please go back and check out the other episodes.
0: We used to get so excited when we'd see the count in between two episodes go up by, like, 10, 15 downloads from the last time. And now we see hundreds sometimes. And it's like, yay, we did something right. With that being said, though, Jesse has to have an apology corner, I feel like, <laughs> at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> One, I just learned how fucking Twitter works, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I made us a Twitter just to save the name. And in case anybody wanted to have anything on there, and it would be good for announcements. We don't have a whole lot of followers on there yet. That's fine, but it is at S by S podcast. If anybody wants to add us on there and I've wanted to try to utilize it more, but I would always look in the email account for notifications or on the front page. I didn't realize I had to search for at mentions. Yeah. So I figured that out and I responded to people sometimes a couple months too late. So
1: sorry about that. And I learned a new word. What word was that? Awful. Not awful. Awful. Yes. (laughs) My other
0: apology comes from me editing the episode. I had like a really bad cold (laughs) and I was really tired from that and the baby the whole time. And I just felt like I didn't have the energy that I normally have. And there was lots of like clearing my throat and sniffling I had to clear out. So hopefully it didn't sound too bad. I didn't put anybody to sleep because that would be terrible, especially while driving.
1: Yeah. If you're listening to this while driving, please don't go to sleep. Speaking of driving. I didn't do as much digging this time around as I had hoped to, because uh, it's been a a busy two weeks between a funeral and an impromptu road trip, and uh, Jesse's concussion. Yeah, just Jesse's little sabbatical. <laughs> we actually are recording this episode three
0: or four days later than we were supposed to, and I got the last episode up a day late. Due to me accidentally getting a concussion at work last week. You mean that wasn't on purpose? (laughs) It was not on purpose. And technically, Josh, while I'm at it, I have a checkup with the doctor, and I'm supposed to have people close to me keep a list of uh, things that I say wrong. Okay. Or if I'm out of character. So if I do something, it's got to go on the list. All right. (laughs) I got you. But yeah, we're recording after work again. Like we said we wouldn't.
1: Yeah. So
0: excited. (laughs) But yeah, just... Due to the concussion. And actually, I'm technically in a state of being concussed right now. So this is going to be a
1: blast. You're making me think of Johnny Knoxville. I don't remember what it was in when he he bombs on something and like, are you all right? And it's like, I feel a little concussed. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was like one of the jackass movie bloopers or something. I think so. All right. So if everything went good on our end and uh, a damn hurricane didn't ruin things. This episode should have gone live on September 6th, which is the actual start night for Halloween Horror Nights 29 in Orlando. I have no idea what the date is for the left coast. I don't keep up with Hollywood because that's not the one I go to. But uh, brought it up before a couple of times. That's where me and the wife go every year since we got married. And I'm jealous.
0: <laughs> I did Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party last October. That was kind of cool. <laughs>
1: Were Jack and Sally there?
0: Is this side story time? I guess. So we went to the Halloween party. We're dressed up. The kids are there. We're having a blast because they're my kids. So Obviously, they love Halloween. We're going around doing all the cool, fun stuff, and we're leaving. And it's honestly, it's after 1 o'clock. It's like the latest my kids have ever been up in their life. <laughs> and there was like a little gazebo. I don't remember what's there during the day or on normal times of the year. Yeah. But they have Jack and Sally there and their costumes are insane. I don't understand if it was like darkness makes them look skinnier and stuff, but they look just like real versions okay. of the characters and they're singing songs from the movie together and holding hands and you just walk up and take pictures with them. Line was out the ass and we're like, what the fuck? Why isn't this on the program? This is something we would have <laughs> wanted to do because my kids love that movie. So yeah, they were there. I didn't get to see them though. Oh, well, that sucks. I mean, I saw them, but I saw them from like 20 feet away.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, real quick, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, it's uh, an annual thing that they do. And like I said, I'm just going to specifically talk about um, Orlando, where they take over the damn park, spend millions of dollars building all these houses and scare zones, and they serve booze. And it's awesome. I mean, you, you can enjoy it sober, too. I'm just saying it's it's, it's an adult-themed thing. I'm
0: a uh... – I'm a layman that hasn't been, so explain to me the difference between a house and a scare zone.
1: So the uh, the houses are purpose-built, most of them, in sound stages. Um, they've got some sprung tents that they put them in. They've got like a parade building that they store floats in that they'll build shit in there. And then the scare zones are just props and places for scare actors to be out in the park. Oh, okay. So like last year, we had one scare zone that was the Chucky scare zone, and one of the props set up was Chucky up on a little stage, and he would heckle people as they walked by or sat down to watch the show. So shit like that. So like
0: my Jack and Sally were technically a scare zone because they were just out in the middle of the park.
1: There you go. Yeah. Just just the PG version. So uh, this year we've got, uh, I'm going to run through the houses real quick. We've got the return of Stranger Things, which was a huge hit last year. So big, they actually opened the house during the day, during normal park hours. First time they've ever done that.
0: Wow. And I guess it'd be easier to bring kids maybe, which... Possibly, I don't let my kids watch that show yet, but they're yeah, pretty young.
1: Some of this stuff is pretty intense, and that's what it is. When the park shuts down, they get a couple hours to get everybody out and then reopen the gates for people to come in. Or you can do stay and scream where you actually buy day tickets and have tickets for Halloween Horror Nights and get corralled somewhere and get out. So they're going to do specifically seasons 2 and 3 of Stranger Things. There's an original house, Nightingale's Blood Pit, with nightingales are a recurring theme at Halloween Horror Nights. So this time we get bloodthirsty banshees in ancient Rome.
0: Like lore mythology type thing here? Not specifically like a movie or yeah, a yeah, book? It's, okay.
1: Yeah, that's one of the originals. Another IP is, of course, Universal's Classic Monsters. Another original, um, Depths of Fear, which is underwater parasites called Mouth Brooders that spit like acid eggs. And uh, I'm real interested in that house. The originals are sometimes hit and miss for me. Um, another original, Yeti, Terror on the Yukon. Pretty self-explanatory what that's about. <laughs> a late surprise to some people, ghostbusters, which used to have a running show at the park that was removed, i forget what year. Something i'm super psyched for, killer fucking clowns from outer space.
2: Pals, Lord, me,
1: Last year it was there as a tiny, tiny scare zone that just turned into nothing but photo ops and even i fucking did it. But whatever. A late addition that an original house was canceled for is us. Not a fan of the movie. Don't know how this is going to turn into a haunted house. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can do, but the whole element of that movie that works is the doppelganger. And if you've got thousands of different people walking through there, how are you going to do the doppelganger element? You're not. You're just going to have to do scenes from the movie. If they do the mirror maze, funhouse from the beach and stuff, we can do that. Maybe they'll do a room full of bunnies with a pit of bones on the side and be like, it's got these teeth run away.
0: You are currently blowing my mind because even though I own the film, I have not seen it yet.
1: Oh, anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I did say something about spoilers. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it applied to me. God damn it. <laughs> Um, another original is Graveyard Games, which is, you know, hide and seek in a graveyard, but uh, the kids playing hide and seek have released Vengeful Spirits. And they actually have a, uh, I think they're doing it through Facebook, a thing you can do on your phones while you're in the queue to like learn the backstory and like kind of an interactivity thing. And uh last house being House of a Thousand Corpses, which polarizing, just like us. So, you know, some you either got people that love it, you got people that hate it. I'm not seeing by that's saying meh. I think it could be the coolest, most adult thing this year. On um, the scare zones, we've got an arcade, which... Uh,
0: it was terrifying to me when I just looked at that on your notes because <laughs> I thought it said a rack, like a rack
1: <laughs> for some reason. I was like, well, I don't do spiders. <laughs> I was really hoping for like zombie sonic and you know chainsaw wielding mario and shit like that but it's not it's supposed to be the games come to life but the area they do this one is right after you go through the front gate and it's usually just displays like last year that's all it was we've got zombie land double tap which features the largest thing they've ever built prop wise to my knowledge for a Halloween horror night scare zone. They built the fucking drop tower from the end of the movie. Oh, that's really cool. Not to scale, not functional, but it's still fucking big.
0: Gotcha. I thought you meant it was like a ride and you could get on it. Yeah, no, you got to go next door over to Dr. Doom, or you
1: just go to uh, Disney and go to the tower of terror. There technically. Right. Um, we've got uh, a Rob Zombie Hellbilly Deluxe Scare Zone, which looks big, like they stretched it out down the street, which is supposed to just be all his songs. And from some of the props people have already seen, it's like, okay, that's going to be Living Dead Girl. That's going to be Dragula. I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be a good area to just hang out and pound some beers. Vikings Undead, which a lot of people are poo-pooing on. There's already a thing set up that looks like it's going to be a display for a fucking Blood Eagle. So I'm okay with this. And the last one being vanity ball, which is supposed to be like surgery gone wrong.
0: Ah, okay. So it's like body torture type shit, right? Exactly.
1: Two shows announced this year, Academy of Villains coming back again. I saw them one year and it was really fun. Didn't make it to the show last year. I think out of spite because they replaced Bill and Ted, which I got to see Bill and Ted the very last year they were doing it. And it was fucking amazing. Um, The other show being Halloween, Marathon of Mayhem. Now, this I am so psyched for. Last year, I've done forgotten what they fucking call it, (laughs) but it's something cinema or cinema something where along the lagoon, they put in all these jets that make fucking giant water curtains, and they're all these big-ass projectors that project film on it. So it's like they show scenes from Fast and Furious, and you're like watching 80-foot long cars drive for 300 feet in front of you. I'm like, please do something for Halloween. All Please do something for Halloween Horror Nights. And last year they didn't. Well, this year they fucking are. So there'll be a show going off on that different times. So I know people come here to listen to the movies and shit, and sometimes you do a little bit of news. But that's a big one going up on uh, the same day it opens. I love this shit. You bet your ass um, when me and the wife get back, I will do some kind of mini review that won't be super long. But uh, I'm excited. I'm not excited for a layover in Atlanta. Like, I'm not excited for that every year. Nothing gets Atlanta. <laughs> it's just, it's people make the joke all the time. Like the jet to hell would have a layover in Atlanta. <laughs> right. But, uh, any thoughts from you on, on that or any other news?
0: I mean, it sounds really fun. I got to go one year, by the way, we are in no way sponsored by universal studios or Halloween horror nights. But if you'd like to get in on this action, you can email us at s by podcast at gmail.com. You said something though. I don't remember. what. Oh, I didn't seek in the graveyard. It made me think I really want to see ready or not. It looks fucking really good. The trailer for it.
1: Oh, is that the like murder mystery clue movie? Yeah. And it's
0: starring Sarah Weaving, who was the babysitter in the movie. The babysitter. I fucking loved her in that movie.
1: Going to see that Saturday or saw that two weeks ago.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Tell me how it is. Like the reviews are fucking off the chain. All good online that I've seen. And just the concept of it seems fun. And what part of the cast that I've seen. Just seems awesome, so I'm really excited for it. I'm so terribly behind on movies and shows right now, which is very strange for me, and I can't wait to get all that caught up. But it just looks like a lot of fun, just like this episode and the next one. I'm going to be honest; this is probably the most fun I've had researching episodes. Oh, really? Yeah, because I mean, these six movies that we're going to cover over the next two episodes are all fucking hilarious, and they're yes. just fun to watch. The last two episodes were kind of stressful to prepare for. And then, you know, the content matter sometimes was just kind of up and down and it's movies I liked better when I was younger and just it was all over the place. And, you you know, trying to do a master of horror right, you know, just so stressed for it in a way. <laughs> To just do something this fun and, and talk about these movies. I mean, like I said, it's the most fun I've had researching it. I hope recording it is going to be at least half as fun.
1: I'm hoping this is going to be a blast, and I think it will.
0: I am so excited to finally be able to cover this movie. I know I say that all the time on these episodes, <laughs> but Tucker and Dale versus evil cabin in the woods, which I'm going to talk about later. In Oculus, there was like a time where I would say, in the past 10 years, these are the only three good horror movies that have came out. (laughs) And I truly meant that. And it was always kind of sad because two of the movies in that list were comedies. Yeah, Things seem to be looking up nowadays. And, you know, it's slightly facetious. There were other horror movies that came out, but those were always the big ones that stood out that we always turned on at parties and shit, right? Yeah. So I'm glad to finally cover this one. This movie was directed by eli craig and written by eli craig and morgan jorgensen god i hope i said your name right from (laughs) what i looked they neither one of them really done anything yeah so that was pretty fucking cool that this just kind of came out of nowhere like that they did make little evil which was on netflix and i was not a huge fan it was okay i didn't see it it was not as good as this okay it's a kid, there's a cult that wants something's like the Antichrist, and it's like a comedy horror take on the Omen, kind of. Hmm. On paper, it seems fun. I was excited because they kept plastering, you know, Tucker and Dale team. <laughs> it was not as good. But there's, there's not a whole lot of actors in this movie. Your two primary actors as Tucker and Dale is Alan Tudyk as Tucker, which he's fucking been on everything. He's Wash and Firefly and
1: Serenity. I was fixing to say you could already tie him to the other movie we're going to be covering. <laughs> he's
0: cartoon voices off the ass. He's in like so many Disney things now. Like he's in Frozen. He's the king of Candyland slash Turbo and Wreck-It Ralph and stuff like that. It's so like he's okay. in all these cartoon voices. He's popped up in so many fucking movies. And then you have Dale played by Tyler Labine, which he's been in a bunch of shit over the past years as well. But I always think of him as... The co-star in Reaper. He's the main guy's best friend. You Coming know, and back he's helping him.
1: Reaper again. Fucking Reaper is awesome.
0: <laughs> and we have Katrina Bowden as Allison, which she's done some like soap operas and stuff like that. Like I didn't really know her from anything else, but she's fantastic in this fucking movie.
1: Yeah, she's got one of them faces where you're like, oh, I know her. And you look and you're like, I don't watch any of those soap operas.
0: I knew I knew her from something. <laughs> Every time I watch the movie, I'm like, what have I seen her in? And she's never in anything I've seen. And the last one I think is worth mentioning is Jesse Moss, because his name's badass. And he yeah, plays Especially
1: that Moss part. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he plays the douchebag Chad, which we'll get into that in a little bit. But this movie at its core is basically the deconstruction of the Hillbillies in the Woods cabin story. Yep. It takes the story, and it takes, I guess if you're going to put like a meaning into it miscommunication and stereotypes. And it just takes all that and flips it on its fucking head in a really fun way. And honestly, if I replace either actor from Tucker and Dale with anybody else, I think the movie would suck. Like these two guys carried the fucking movie.
1: This is one of those that if you put me on the spot, I couldn't say, Oh, it could have been this guy or that guy. I totally agree.
0: I mean, even like the bad Southern accents that are probably purposely done bad because they're good actors. Like they just pull it off. They make it fun.
1: Yeah, it's not overdone. It's not, cr- it's not cringy. There we go. But We open up the movie
0: with found footage. And no, this isn't another found footage movie. <laughs> but we have a reporter and a cameraman going into what's obviously a crime scene. And I don't think they're supposed to be there. I got to get those YouTube hits. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the female journalist is hit in the head with like a pipe or something. And then the cameraman is chased down. Falls down in front of the camera and has his head fucking bashed in. And then we see this like monstrous face pop into frame, which the first time I saw the movie, I thought it was like a half lizard man. (laughs) Figure out later it's a burned face, but it definitely looked like a lizard man. And then we get the title card, which I don't know. It's it's minimalist, but it is fucking (laughs) sweet. I fucking love this thing. And then we pop to a group of college kids in a car. And there's a lot more of them than I mentioned. And some of them, I don't, I don't, even know if I put their characters names in my notes. Cause it's so irrelevant. I honestly only recognize one of them and, uh, Oh, I can't think of his name. I purposely tried to remember his, but he was in Harper Island, which I love that show. If you've never seen it, 13 episodes, I think it's on Netflix. Okay. Check it yeah, out. It's a, sl- it. it's a slasher show. It was like a little mini series that came on like NBC or something.
1: I just remember them by their deaths. <laughs>
0: yeah. The deaths are very <laughs> memorable in this movie. But in the car, they're making fun of hillbillies because I think they, they drive by Tucker and Dale in the truck and it does this like deep like bass note or something and it's slow-mo and Dale's looking at him like he's all slow or something. It's dramatic. Yep. And that really gets them going on making fun of hillbillies. And one of the girls chimes in, I, I think it's Allison, and she's like, you can't make fun of people for being different. Yeah. And he's like, you know, Chad's like, either you're Omega Beta or you're a freak. <laughs> you know, and the guys Omega are cheering. Omega Beta,
1: Omega Beta.
0: <laughs> but Chad is a douche. And his name is Chad. So right there, he's a Chad. They went straight in with the meme. And there you go. If I remember correctly, in the Friday the 13th video game that's semi-fun, I think the main, like, douchey guy's name's Chad also. Oh, okay. I just love that meme being
1: used. (laughs) I keep wanting to call him Chad the Douche (laughs) O'Neal. But
0: like I said, they're driving. They pass Tucker and Dale. Allison's defending them. And then... You have somebody pop up out of the back seat out of nowhere because they forgot something.
1: <laughs> beer. Oh. That is important on a camping beer trip. Beer is important. Especially they could be camping in a dry county. Ooh. Got to make that last stop. I don't even know where
0: this movie was filmed, let alone where it's supposed to take place.
1: <laughs> um, The South. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said in the last episode, we're allowed to say that because <laughs> we're from the South. <laughs> you know, this is one episode... Josh and I try our best
0: to do accents sometimes, and they get cut. (laughs) Because what we think is a fantastic accent sounds terrible when we play it back. We're like, we're offending somebody. (laughs) If I break into any shitty Southern accent in this episode, it's okay. I've lived in the South my entire life. I'm going to be 37 in a few days, and uh, it's my accent. I can do what I want with it. There you go. But we swap scenes to a gas station. And we see Tucker in there, which is Alan Tudyk, like I said, making an order with the attendant. He's ordering wood (laughs) and nails and like food. You just hear all the stuff getting rattled off in the background, right? But it's like, and a pickaxe and a shovel and duct tape and rope. There's normal stuff (laughs) and then creepy serial killer shit, right? Right as the college kids are walking in. And that's what this movie does so well. It makes it where the college kids honestly could think they're psycho hillbilly's there to kill them, right? And then it's innocent if you see it from the other perspective.
1: Well, I was going to wait, but I'm just going to bring it up here because you're bringing it up. Have you seen the, uh, I think it's on the special edition, the college kids point of view cut of the movie?
0: No, but, uh, but it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, they just, all the scenes where you'd see the other side, they just fade out and do smart cuts, but there is a cut of the movie that's just straight up horror from the college kid's point of view.
0: I mean, if you saw it just from the college kid's point of view, it would be Friday the 13th meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. Just real easy. But Allison's walking around the store and she grabs something off the shelf. I don't remember what it is. And Dale's face is just staring at her blankly through, like, in between the jars or whatever with that fucking giver hat on. (laughs) Which I heard was his choice to wear. Scares the shit out of her. They go outside because the girls are freaked out. And Dale's talking to Tucker about how pretty Allison is and how he wants to go talk to her. And he's talking how he's like, You know, I'm not good at talking to girls. I'm not a good talker like you are, Tucker. <laughs> he's just eating the pickled eggs. Yeah. He's eating them the whole time. He's holding a scythe in his hands. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming for doing the weeds, you know, not for killing people. Yeah. And uh, Tucker gives him a pep talk and he's like, Why don't you go and tell these girls about our vacation home? <laughs> You are a good-looking man, more or less. So Dale starts to head over to the girls with his scythe in the hand, and he's just smiling and laughing like Tucker told him to, and he looks creepy as fuck. (laughs) He
1: does. He's deranged.
0: And then Chad comes in like he's a fucking member of Cobra Kai, fucking doing his sweet kung fu moves, trying to scare Dale off, and it works, and he leaves. Oh, yeah. But then we cut to Tucker and Dale driving on the road, and Dale's explaining how he's not good with the ladies like Tucker is. And he wishes that he was. And uh, Tucker tells him <laughs> that he has an inferiority complex. And he looks at his hands like, no, I don't. <laughs> it's like these two guys, I, I want to know, know how
1: much of it was improv, you know, because they just play off each other so well. Yeah, they uh, they actually managed to get together before shooting started. Not. Asked to, they just decided to on their own and just hung out. And they're like, "Oh, we got this." So they like already had their their chemistry down to play off of each other like that, which is really cool. Because
0: I mean, I'd have to look at the timing. Tyler Labine is in stuff, but he's not super famous. And I would say Alan's gotten pretty famous at this point in time, mainly because yeah. of his like Disney connections now and stuff. But he's done indie movies and stuff too. Like he has one called The Con Man. And it's about him going to cons, and he just seems like a, We say this a lot, but he seems like a cool dude to hang <laughs> out with, and. You know, him calling Tyler Labine or whoever called to to get together and hang out, it's pretty fucking neat, I think, that they did that. But they're driving the truck like any good hillbillies would, drinking their beer. Yeah. Kind of looks like Silver Bullet, but it just has beer on the can, which is funny because it turns to PBR later. Uh I'm thinking there's some reshoots that were involved. Possibly. But uh, the sheriff pulls up behind their pickup truck and... (laughs) Tucker spills his beer on his lap as he drops it. And Dale's like, oh, I'll clean that up for you. And he bends over and it looks like he's blowing them, basically, in yeah. the truck as they're getting pulled over. And his shirt gets caught on something. And when he sets up, you hear a ripping sound. And Dale's sitting there with no the fucking shirt on, staring out the window. <laughs> the sheriff, like, sup? <laughs> Tucker's explaining that he just bought a vacation home and it's a fixer-upper. And uh, he's going to take Dale up there for a little bit of man time because he's been <laughs> striking out with the ladies. <laughs> and uh, the sheriff's like, uh-huh. <laughs> he's like, you got your registration? Yep, yep. And uh, he ends up citing him for a busted taillight and not the not the dewey there, right? Yeah. But he's telling him where the vacation home is, and the sheriff gives him his opinion on the place.
2: There ain't nothing up there but pain and suffering on a scale you can't even imagine
0: harbinger <laughs> but we roll up to this cabin this magnificent piece of property and it's a total shit shack from the outside right it is dale's like oh my god it's perfect what do they it, a fixer-upper <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't get it and uh they go inside and it's tiny and it's just fucking thrashed well, it's just a little dusty as all well. it's a mansion the guys notice that there's like bones hanging off the ceiling and everything. Like, obviously, this is some some other fucked up horror story that's happened. Texas Chainsaw shit. And it also makes me think of Evil Dead, probably more the remake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, the previous owner must have been an archaeologist or something. <laughs> and then they see this wall of newspapers, and then you know the music gets dramatic they're like, oh, he must have been a news junkie. <laughs> and there's clips about like mass murders. And missing people. And they cut straight to like, Ooh, look at that. Buy one chili dog, get two free. No expiration date. (laughs) Those little subtle things. This movie are just fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah. They're pretty oblivious and in their own little world. And I'm just happy to be along for the ride.
0: (laughs) But Tucker gets all emotional about finally owning his own vacation home. And he leans on this fucking post and it falls over. And this board swings down with fucking nails in it, and it's like goddamn Kevin from Home Alone is trying to take out Joe <laughs> Pesci, man. A little
1: bit more severe in this one. <laughs> yeah. And uh,
0: Dale dives and saves Tucker, right? So he makes it, and you know they're just like, oh, we got to fix that. Yeah. We cut to a campsite, and the college kids are all sitting around, drinking beer, and having deep philosophical conversations. You have a reoccurring dream about sucking a dick, but you never do it, are you gay? Yes. Yes. They decided to do it all, fucking teenagers or young adults do when camping and tell scary stories. But as soon as they start talking, Chad the douche O'Neal, interrupts them because he (laughs) wants to tell them a true story about the Memorial Day massacre. I'd have to go back and look at my notes from like the slasher episodes, but when we were talking about all the holidays being used and we like found some random ones, yeah, I don't remember if Memorial Day was used. I don't
1: remember Memorial Day
0: has been now. Look at there. But Chad says that 20 years ago to this day, there was a group of college kids out partying in these woods, and it has like a flashback scene, and you see a hillbilly come in, and I don't remember what rock song's playing on the cassette deck, but he ejects it and puts in some fucking dueling banjos or some shit, yeah. and they're like, what the fuck? And these hillbillies just start coming out of the woods and viciously murder all <laughs> the fucking teenagers out of nowhere, right? There's some cool kill scenes, too. I think like the guy like scratches the back of his neck with the, the saw blade and then, and then chunks it. it. But he says there was only one survivor left to tell the story. Out of nowhere, they want to go skinny dipping. Because this movie very hard-hittingly hits all of the tropes. Yep, that's what I was just going to say. Like I said, tropey. And not in a try-hard way either. Like, they cleverly do it or do it in a way that's just kind of fun and not like they were seriously trying to squeeze it in there, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's formulaic,
1: but not bashing you over the head with it.
0: But now all of a sudden, because i want to say it was daytime at the campfire, but now we cut to night at the lake, and Tucker and Dale are out fishing, and now they've upgraded. They're drinking PBR instead of beer. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'd call PBR beer.
2: <laughs> Shit.
0: We break that out at the kids' birthday party sometimes for the adults. Hey, what can I say, man? We we grew up on Beast and Yeti, so... Oh, it was so good, but now it sounds so bad. But uh, Tucker's basically telling Dale that he needs to stick up for himself. And there's only one beer left in the cooler, and he tries to take it. And Tucker (laughs) slaps him, and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, you told me I need to stick up for myself. He's like, not now. (laughs) You know, and and Tucker takes the last beer. Yeah, he does. We cut to the college kids at the lake, and Chad's hitting on Allie. She's not having it. He's trying to force some kisses out of her. And uh, Chad's basically being a Chad, right? Crotch dog. (laughs) (laughs) Crotch dog comes back again. Allie leaves the group and she's by herself climbing up on this rock, stripping her clothes off down
1: her underwear. Very reminiscent of the first time I went cliff diving, by the way. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Well, you know, keep going. I'll explain. (laughs) But she's
0: climbing up on this rock and Tucker and Dale notice this and they're just like staring at her and oogling at her. And <laughs> I don't remember exactly what they say, but Dale's like, I don't think they want to see us. And Tucker's like, I want to see them, and he starts paddling <laughs> over there. Yeah. And uh, Dale decides to be chival- chivalrous, and he says Tucker because he wants him to cover his eyes, <laughs> and it scares Allie, and she falls in the lake. Right. And <laughs> Tucker's like, when there's a beautiful half-naked woman, do not yell my name. <laughs> but they start looking and Allie's underwater and she doesn't come back up. So Dale goes to save her.
2: Hey, lady!
0: Hey, lady! They're pulling her out of the lake, trying to get her in their fishing boat. And we cut to the college kid's point of view and they see her being dragged into the boat and they think that that the guys are kidnapping her, right? So they get scared and run off and Tucker and Dale are confused and they're like, what the fuck? Why are they leaving their friend behind? I guess we're going to have to take her to the cabin.
1: Yeah, and I don't remember if it's here or later on that one of the kids is like, oh my God, he's eating her face or something like that. Because I'll I'll stop bringing this up after this one. But like you mentioned earlier, when they drive past them, like, when it cuts to the college kid's point of view, you get the doomy music. And they're all like, holy fuck. And this is another one of those times that we do, we do get that.
0: If you haven't seen this movie, please go back and try to watch it. But just to visualize it in your head, anytime you see the two guys together, it's just funny and it's like a buddy cop movie in a way and a good time. But when it's from the college kid's point of view, like Josh said, there's always like a horror soundtrack. It's in slow-mo. And for some reason, they have like a lizard like stare. They do a good job of making it look bad that way. But we cut to the cabin the next morning and Allison wakes up and she has a bandage on her head and she's scared and fucking confused because she doesn't know where she's at. And I'm going to go back and forth between calling her Allison and Allie probably because she's called both throughout the film. Okay. Dale comes in, and he's like, I got pancakes for you. And she starts freaking the fuck out because she doesn't know who he is or where she's at. And he's like, I guess she doesn't like pancakes. And he shuts the door and leaves. And uh, we cut to the college kids. I'm like, we got to go find Allie.
1: Pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Speaking of, this whole set, the woods, the cabin, everything, it feels a lot like cabin fever.
0: Yeah, yeah. We cut back to the cabin and Dale comes in, bring in Allison eggs and bacon, and he hopes she likes these. And he explains to her how she got there and that her friends left her. Right. So they had to bring her home and they start to hang out. She meets his dog Jangers and they decide to play some fucking board games and just have a good old time out of it. Right. <laughs> we cut back and forth between Tucker and Dale and Allie and the kids at this point. But we see the college kids, and I don't remember if they like like Rochambeau or what, but they do something to pick who's going to go up to the cabin, right? Yeah. And you see Tucker coming up with this chainsaw, and he's cutting on a fucking tree, and he hits a bee nest. <laughs> and the bee swarm comes out all around him while the kid's walking up to him, right? And he starts swinging the chainsaw wildly, just like Bubba from fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a good swing <laughs> at the bees and takes off screaming and running. And the kids think they're being chased by, you know, a crazy chainsaw building hillbilly. And one of the kids is running alongside Tucker and Tucker looks at him crazy. Like, where the fuck did you come from? And then Tucker looks straight and keeps running. And the kid runs into a tree limb and impales himself just like in dog soldiers. And and he fucking (laughs) dies. Right. And I feel like I skipped something. At some point they sent one of the college kids back with the only vehicle to go get help. Yes feel like it had already happened, but I thought I remembered writing in my notes. But just just go ahead and say, one of the college kids has gone to get help with the only vehicle. Yeah. And there's a cell phone smashed because Chad's like, it's not going to work out here, goddammit. So they are stranded without a phone or a vehicle at this point. Tropes. The tropes. They got to be there. (laughs) But we see uh, the cabin once again, and... Allison and Dale are playing board games. <laughs> Tucker comes in and he's, he basically looks like a fucking hillbilly mutant. He right? does like the way he's swollen and stuff. He got fucked up and he's kind of <laughs> mad because Dale wasn't helping him, you know, when this happened and, um, but it's okay. He's got beer to pour on the bee stings. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. He pours the beer on the beastings. Actually, I read a couple of his beer pouring things. That one especially was, uh, improv
1: Okay, yeah, he I can see that. just to reported
0: on his face. And uh, Dale's like, how about I uh, help you pull those stingers out of your face, and I'll help you do some work. That'd be nice.
1: <laughs> we cut
0: to the college kids looking at their buddy, who all these guys are going to be nameless for the most part, impaled on the tree, and they think that he was murdered by Tucker and Dale. Chad wants to hunt down these fucking hillbillies because this is what it's about, right? <laughs> like, he's very... It's like, oh, like on, you know, into it. And you don't really know why. And it's, it's leading up to something.
1: Yeah. Cause he's, he's really gung ho about those damn hillbillies. Right. Right. And, uh, they
0: hear Tucker Dale coming outside. So they go and hide and they overhear a conversation between the two about having beaten Allison so bad. <laughs> and Dale's talking about it. Scrabble or whatever the fuck they were <laughs> yeah. playing. Or it's a trivia game. Cause he's really good at useless yeah, yeah. trivia. And he's like, I I feel so bad for how bad I beat her, you know? And they're like, oh my God, he's beating Allison. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go in there and finish beating her. <laughs> yeah. So, once again, just misunderstanding is just a huge part of this film. But creepy looking Tucker and Dale start to walk around screaming college kids, <laughs> college kids. Uh, trying to find them because they're, they're, you know, they told Allie, we'll go try to find your friends, yeah. right? And the kids run and hide. Well, somewhere Chad had a little hatchet and he threw it into a tree, like dead-eyed it, right? And they're all hiding and, and Dale finds the axe and he's like, maybe we'll just leave the kids a note. And he starts <laughs> carving in a fallen tree with an axe. And then the camera like does a transition to the college kids coming out of their hiding spots and they walk up to the tree and it says, we got your friend, <laughs> But it's U-R for your, and friend is (laughs) F-R-E-I-N-D. It's like Josh spelled this. Yes. And uh, just just nice little touch there. We cut back to the Tucker property, and Tucker's got a wood chipper. Like, (laughs) I can't believe we're already to this part, but he's got the wood chipper set up, and he's just bending over and picking up logs and throwing them in the wood chipper. And uh, Dale's out digging a shitter hole, right? (laughs) Yep. Allison comes out and she's like, I want to help. And she tells her she grew up on a farm and this and that. And this isn't actually the first time she's dug a shitter hole before. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know what it is about that line, but every time they say something about the shitter hole, I lose it. <laughs> but the college kids have this plan to sneak up and ambush Tucker and Dale and save Allison because they're like, oh my God, they have her digging her own grave because they see her digging. But the college kids begin their ambush and one charges Dale with a spear. He trips. Falls in the shitter hole and impales himself on his spear and is like bleeding out of his mouth all over Dale. But when he falls and, and knocks Dale over, his shovel fucking slams in Allie's head, knocks her the fuck out. So she doesn't see
1: any of this, right? Yeah, because I think I think Dale actually spins to try to move her when he's like, What what's going on, College? He doesn't say that, but it's like, yeah. what's this? And
0: she's like, yeah, he tries like Bo Staff hit him with the handle, right? And it hits her like Three Stooges style at the back. Because there's a lot of slapstick in this movie. Oh, yeah. Sam Raimi could have ghost made this movie. <laughs> if I found that out down the road, I would not be surprised. I'm not saying he did, but like it, it's in vain. It's in the vain, vain, yes. But another college kid charges Tucker... He doesn't even see him coming. (laughs) Tucker just bends over to pick up a log and the kid flies into the fucking wood chipper and just blood flying out the other end. And Tucker's like, oh, shit. And he's grabbing his legs and trying to pull him out. And and to the other college kids, it looks like he's just like forcing them in there, right? Yeah. But we've now knocked out, how how many kids are dead now? Three? Three. Yep, Yeah. We're down by three. (laughs) Team college down by three. (laughs) Right? We cut back into the cabin and... Tuckerdale in panicking, and, of course, they're carrying Allison's once again unconscious body inside. And they figure out that the kids must have a suicide pact, and they're killing themselves all over the woods. This makes so much sense to them now. And Tucker's like, I'm going to go hide all the sharp objects. <laughs> they decide that this must be why the, the kids want Allison so bad, because they want their whole, like, group to die, right? Yeah. Like Jim Jones and shit. Yeah. We cut back to Chad and he wants to take matters into his own hand and he taunts the team for not wanting to help him. Right. Like he's calling them like cowards and this and that. And we see Chuck, one of the few kids that I wrote down the name, apparently come back
1: with the sheriff, right? <laughs> wrote down the name of the guy that left and hasn't been in the movie.
0: I forgot to write down Well, it's cause they're like, Oh, Chuck's back with the sheriff while I was typing my notes. So, Oh, Okay. All of the college kids, except for Chad, get into the Jeep with the sheriff and Chuck to go to the cabin. Chad thinks they're a bunch of bitches and he's going to take care of this himself. We cut back, and Tucker and Dale are cleaning the college kid out of the wood chipper when yeah. the sheriff rolls up, right? <laughs> and it's really funny because when they pull the legs out, Dale gets knocked over and Tucker drags like the guts and blood like all over his body and up his face. And apparently, yep. that was like a last minute thing they did. And it was just such a nice touch because Tucker, in a way, kind of abuses Dale. <laughs> Whole movie physically and mentally but they have to explain to the sheriff something that dale said earlier in the cabin and tucker thought was so fucking dumb that he couldn't say it which is good evening officer we're having a doozy of a day we're out here minding our own business these college kids just keep killing themselves all over my property (laughs) the look on alan's face he has to say the line is like and action you know he's just like i can't believe i'm using dale's shit i don't want to go to jail The sheriff immediately wants to know if they think he's a fucking moron. And uh, Dale says something about, like, they're trying to get the college girl that we got knocked out in the house. And Tucker's just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And and the sheriff wants to, uh, he wants to see this college kid. They take him in. They show him Allison. They tell him the story. And he starts to believe him. And then he leans on the beam from earlier and the fucking board comes in and whack slams all the fucking nails in his face and breaks off into his head. Right. He starts screaming, wandering out in front of the Jeep with the college kids. And he falls over dead with the fucking board stuck in his head. So now they think the hillbillies have murdered the sheriff. Yep. One of the kids dives out of the Jeep, grabs the sheriff's gun and he can't get it to fire. He's got Tucker and Dale dead to rights. He
1: does. And Dale's they run out on the porch. And Ducker's like, oh, oh, Ducker. That's what you say. Did you just say Ducker?
0: Put it on the list. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) Dale's like, hey, you got the safety on. (laughs) And the kid turns the barrel towards his face to turn the safety off and blows his own fucking brains out.
1: Need some trigger discipline. Yeah, that's, that's why a gun safety training is important for all kids. I've never had gun safety
0: training. I'm not really a gun guy, but it just seems like fucking common sense not to have your finger on the trigger while you point the barrel at your face. Today's word is common sense. (laughs) There's not a lot of that in this movie. (laughs) But Chad comes running in, grabs the gun, and starts firing at Tucker and Dale as they dive into the cabin, narrowly missing all the shots. Luckily, Allison never got hit just laying in there on the couch, right? I know, right? They soon realize that Chad is now taking Jengers hostage. <laughs> He's got the gun to his head and everything. <laughs> Tucker gives Dale a nail gun and asks him to make a distraction and please try not to shoot me.
1: Tucker sneaks out while Dale's unloading of the nail gun. I do want to point out this is one movie because doesn't he turn on the generator or the compressor for yes. the nail gun? They do the nail gun bit in so many movies and they use the air compressor version with it hooked to nothing. Right. And that shit pisses me off. Yes, I'm aware there are cordless ones that use fucking nitrogen cartridges. They exist. But props department gets this shit wrong in so many movies. Rant over. (laughs)
0: But yeah, fucking Dale unloads on the college kids. He he doesn't hit any of them, but he like hits the trees, the woods, the fucking jeep. And yeah, every, Tucker. Everything but them. <laughs> right. Well, he he flat out says, I don't know if I can kill anybody. Right. Yeah. Tucker sneaks around and manages to rescue Jengers and untie him and let him free. Right as he's caught by Chad sitting there, takes off running, trying to get away as the college kids chase him down, and he hides behind a fallen tree and covers himself with mud and leaves, predator style. Chad finds them, however, and they take them and they hang them upside down, and Chad cuts off his fucking bowling fingers. <laughs> we cut back to the cabin, and Allison comes to and is trying to figure out what the fuck's going on once again. And she goes outside and finds Tucker's fingers on the porch.
1: Yeah, wrapped up like uh like Josh's bits and uh Blair Witch.
0: <laughs> but uh Dale ends up going out in the woods to find Tucker, finds him hanging upside down in the trees, sets off a trap, and narrowly escapes the spear hitting him in the dick as it goes right in between his legs. <laughs> oh, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm glad I'm not hung like a bear. He manages to get Tucker down, and they start to head back to the cabin. However, in the cabin, Chad and one of the remaining college kids come in to save Allison, and they get ready to start burning down the cabin, and Allison stops Chad. And the girl says, oh, I read about this. It's Stockholm Syndrome. She's in love with the hillbilly. Chad's real mad. Now he's like, Is this yeah. true? Is this true, Allie? You in love with the hillbilly? Are you a billy fucker? He doesn't say that. <laughs> Fuck, <Josh. laughs> Tucker and Dale bust into the cabin, and Allie sets up a meetup over some tea to understand each other's perspective. And Chad has that like stereotypical horror movie asthma that makes me angry all the time. Yeah. And he can't drink calamine tea or something, but luckily it's a kind of tea that they both like
1: chamomile tea. Calamine tea would be pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> Put that on the concussion
0: list. We find out that Chad's mother was the only survivor from the Memorial day massacre. And she was pregnant with him at the time. And his father's body was never found. Holy shit, the shit was real. Right. And uh, Dale explains that he had nothing to do with that because he was like six at the time. (laughs) So they've explained each other's perspective. The last two college kids come busting in with a fucking weed eater, and one of them gets the first girl in the face with the weed eater, killing her. Chad flips the table over on Dale and chunks a torch at the remaining college guy. I don't know why. I don't know what he's throwing it at, I guess, to catch the cabin on fire. Catches the dude on fire. And the girl that came in with that guy picks up a jar of moonshine and throws it on him to put him out.
1: <laughs> Big fire. And there's like cans of gasoline and shit all in that corner.
0: Where oh, he throws yeah. It and
1: shit. and
0: uh, Tucker and Dale and Allie make a run for it out of the cabin as it fucking explodes. And they make it out safe. And then we see Chad coming out half burned with the axe looking like he does in the opening scene and taking a hit off that Aspen Hiller as he runs off like a wild man. <laughs> the director, I was watching a the behind-the-scenes thing, and he's like, my favorite part was definitely blowing up the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> but we see Tucker, Dale, and Allie leaving Tucker's pickup truck until Dale fucking crashes it. He wakes up to Jenger's licking in his face, and Tucker outside against the tree, bleeding out of his hand, obviously, and beat up a bit, and he says that Chad took Allie. Tucker gives Dale a pep talk, and he decides to go back for Allie. He heads to a lumber mill. I have no fucking clue how he needed to go to the lumber mill. Yeah. Maybe that's the only other structure besides the uh, fixer-upper. Possibly. But inside this lumber mill, Chad has Allie tied up. James Bond style. Yeah. Or like (laughs) an old fucking 40s cartoon, right? Like, oh, stupid moose and squirrel. You know, they're going to (laughs) pull him into the buzzsaw, you know? (laughs) And apparently has a licking fetish because he's licking all over. (laughs) And he's super creepy with a fucking lizard burn face. (laughs) Dale goes into like a tool shed. And arms himself with, like, just fucking whatever's in there, like a welding mask and just fucking glove, whatever he can find. Yeah, he gets up. You want a killer a hillbilly? I'll show you a killer hillbilly. And goes in to save Allie. Chad turns on the saw and knocks Dale over as he's trying to free her. And they have a fight. And Dale manages to get Allie out. He chunks, like, an axe or something. And it goes into, like, slow-mo, like the Matrix, and hits the last rope and lets her free. They have this like chainsaw versus pole fight. It's kind of cool looking. Yeah. Chad gets knocked over. Dale's not a killer, right? He doesn't kill him. And Allie and Dale end up making it like out of this like locked door to the basement and like bar it shut. Right. With like a slab of wood. Yeah. They find newspaper clippings in this office and find out that Chad's mother was raped by a hillbilly. Holy shit. And that's why the body was never found of his dad because one of the hillbillies. Chad ends up cutting through the basement door with uh, the chainsaw. And when he runs in, they let him know that he's half hillbilly.
1: <laughs> it's not your fault, man. It's not your fault.
0: <laughs> Dale ends up picking up some chamomile tea and throwing it in his face, which caused him to have an asthma attack for some fucking reason. <laughs> and uh, he falls out a window.
1: Cause I like, think Dale's like, he'll be okay. And then he falls out. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weak sauce. <laughs> It's it funny, too, though, because like they,
0: they covered his, I'm not going to hurt anybody, and he got some good lines out of it. Yeah. We cut to a hospital, and we see a TV show in the news where police and reporters are at the lumber mill site, and I believe it's the reporter from the opening scene, right? And we see that Tucker's high as fuck on prescription medication, <laughs> and Dale brought him some PBR. <laughs> and, oh, that tastes good. He says something like that. Um, and he's like, they reattached my fingers, Dale. <laughs> Something's up with him, though, or what I remember that one looking like that. He's got a girl's finger with a uh, nail, nail polish. polish, so it's like they whatever fingers they could find they attach to his hand. and um, uh, Dale lets Tucker know that he asked
1: Allie out and they're going on a bowling date. <laughs> the end. do you want to bring up real quick about the bowling fingers? That's another part where once he gets them down, he pours beer on the wound.
2: To yes, get it. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> oh, there's not a whole lot of behind the scenes for this movie. I looked and looked. I'm sure if I had like a collector's Blu-ray or something, it went into it. But like I said, the the director and writer hadn't had a lot of work. I think they were like one of them was an actor, right? Um, they came up with this movie that, like I said, is a deconstruction of your stereotypical hillbilly, cannibal, cabin in the woods story. And they made a fucking fun movie that I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. And the jokes never get old to me.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a buddy comedy that happens to be stuck in that type of a horror movie which we're going to revisit this like three more times over this episode, the next episode that's just now coming to mind. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) This is true. But, uh, this is one of those that it took me three watches before I ever actually watched all the way through the movie. Like, I don't know if it was cause every time I put it in too late at night or some shit like that, but I would always fall asleep. And like one time I made it up until the cop getting it in the head. And like the next time I made it to the kid shooting himself. Those are like 30 seconds apart from <laughs> each other. <laughs> so it was cool to actually, I don't want to say force myself. That it sounds like an asshole thing, but you know what I mean? Like actually sit down and, and give it a real chance.
0: This is one of them that I hadn't heard of before I saw it. And David and I were having one of those horror movie nights we used to have. And I'd got my first like beer of the month club that my father-in-law <laughs> likes to give me for my birthday and Christmas randomly. And it was almost Halloween time. And it had this Imperial pumpkin smash. And it was like fucking 12% alcohol and bomber bottles or some shit. <laughs> and Gunslinger double IPA. And I made David watch 30 days a night because he'd never seen it before <laughs> as we got shit faced. And they're like, whatever movie was on our list to watch next. We're like, we can't watch something serious. And we found Tucker and Dale okay. on Netflix while we were hammered. And it is the the perfect state of mind. To watch that movie in. And really, it's like your Euro trip or your Super Superbad or whatever goofy comedy movie like that that you just sit down and watch with friends while you're hanging out and drinking beer. And it's just entertaining. Yeah. You can miss pieces of it. Now, the fact that it's got the horror parts to it, which is not scary, like nothing in the movie is scary. No. Like I said, I'd love to see this cut from the college kids' perspective only. Yeah, it feels... It's- it feels different. Those scenes are done well. Yep. Like when you see the clips from the perspectives, it's done well. And I'm actually really impressed that like a new director, first film ever, was able to like put the movie together in that way. Yeah. And this is one of them that's set in production hell, which I'm going to say again later on my next movie for, I don't remember how long, but I don't know. It's like a classic people are just begging for a sequel and I, I don't know what they could do to make it different, but I would definitely give it a shot. As long as Alan and Tyler are involved.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it has to be a legit another adventure for Tucker and Dale.
0: Unless they did some random shit like Santa Clarita Diet and Alan was too busy to do it and they just stuck Nathan Philly on in his place (laughs) and still called him Tucker. Like that would be funny because honestly, you can interchange those two in roles and it's fucking hilarious. But like I said, it's, it's definitely in my top list. I'd have to write it down. I've been wanting to throw it in and horror comedies was the only place we could stick it. But our next movie is what I'd like to call a (laughs) zombie.
1: and it's 2004's *Shaun of the dead. So before the walking dead came on the scene and made zombies cool to everyone, we had this movie and this is another one that I didn't know anything about. And then it got shown to me. I think this might've been another JJ movie. I'm not sure. And, uh, loved it. Like, for a long time, my top horror comedy. So you've got, uh, it was directed by Edgar Wright and uh written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. They worked together on other stuff across the pond. But this, right. this was both of theirs break into the U.S. market. It was primarily a TV show they worked on together, right? Yeah, called Spaced. Yeah. Which I know nothing about. I just read a little bit about it. I've never seen it. So I'm not going to act like it did. We just
0: covered the extent of my knowledge of
1: it. So, But of course we know. Edgar Wright went on to do other great things, most notably for me being Scott Pilgrim versus the world, yes. which always blows my mind that, you know, Oh, this is the same dude. Like on the comedy side, I get it, but it's, they're two very, very different movies. But at any rate, so of course we got Simon Pegg is Sean. We've got uh Kate Ashfield is Liz who I really should have looked up and I didn't, I'm presuming she's had to have been in other stuff. Cause she's, she's good.
0: Yeah, I looked her up. I think I remember like, oh, I saw her in that, but I don't
1: remember what it was. Um, We've got Nick Frost as Ed. Fantastic. Yeah, he's great. Lucy Davis as Diane, who most recently she's in fucking Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yep. And then we've got Dylan Moran as David. And it's my understanding that he's actually done a lot of drama. But once again, I didn't do deep digging.
0: I also want to point out, I never can say this guy's fucking name, but he plays their roommate Pete. His name's Peter... Sarah Finowitz or something like that. Yeah, he's uh, you. I mean, these might not be movies that are personal to you, but like he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's the guy that's like, what a bunch of a holes. And oh
2: yeah, he's also
0: Darth Maul's voice in Episode One, The Phantom Menace, mm. because they had Ray Park play the character, but they didn't like his voice, and they had him do the voice, okay. but he didn't do the cartoon characters' voices. So in Solo, when Darth Maul pops back in, they had him come re like do all the Darth Maul's voice. And then ended up using Sam Whitware who does the the cartoon voice. But yeah, so he like he's done voice acting, I think, on other cartoons as well. But like that, that was the guy that I recognized that wasn't Nick Frost
1: or Simon Peck. <laughs> okay. But this movie was, of course, was the first entry in the Cornetto trilogy, which to us stateside, that's what the hell is that? Well, that's we're gonna see that well, it's in all three movies. But right. it over here would be a drumstick. Yeah. But it's, you know, the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy, with the idea being that there's the strawberry flavor, which is what's featured in this one. Then there's the vanilla flavor in Hot Fuzz, which has a blue wrapper. So, blue police, blah, blah, blah. And then Mint being the green one in what closes the trilogy, being World's End, because we've gone sci fi in that one.
0: I will not say that it's a bad trilogy because I like every movie in it. But it, like, to me, the quality just goes down because Hot Fuzz, like, I've watched. Multiple times. The greater good. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love that movie. I've honestly only watched World's End one time and I was like, okay, I've seen it. But that was one I'm most excited for. So it's like kind of made me mad.
1: The The bathroom beatdown down in uh, World's End is always yeah. fucking fun. That's what I always remember from that movie. There's several shout outs to Living Dead movies throughout this thing. And I'll try to bring them up as we go along. Uh, the movie was actually originally based on a particular episode of space where the character, Tim is all hopped up on speed and <laughs> resident evil two and starts hallucinating and thinks he's fighting off a zombie invasion. That was the spark for this movie. What more inspiration do you need for a quality film? <laughs> One more quick thing. And then I'll save some of this for the end. Simon Pegg actually turned down a role in dog soldiers to wait for this movie to actually get rolling. I wonder who he would have been. That's what I wonder. I could see him fitting in as a couple of the people though. Yeah. Anyways, it just makes me wonder if that would have made the movie feel different. But anyway, so we opened with a nice tight shot on Sean at the pub at last call and uh, Liz, his girlfriend, is basically telling me he needs to get his act together. And uh, she starts talking about Ed and she's like, it's not that I don't like you, Ed. And then we get a shot and realize that Ed's next to them with an right. shot on the fucking Dragula fruit fucking <laughs> slot machine, which is just so weird. Liz's friends, Diane and David get brought up. And it's the same same bit again where Sean's like, it's not like I don't like them. And then we get a wider shot the other direction and they're sitting there and he turns. It's like, it's not like I don't like you. And it's a real fun setup just to introduce all the characters there.
0: I love the cinematography in this movie for the shots like that. It does a lot of like the quick cuts with the camera. Yeah, You're like
1: the whoosh,
0: whoosh sound and it's just fucking I mean, it sounds cheesy describing it, but it, it's so fun in this movie to see it done
1: that way. It is the when it gets to the quick jump cuts, that is, I've got it in here as the signature Edgar Wright jump cuts. Right. Like a quick task ending on something mundane, which is done to a a great and wonderful extent in Scott Pilgrim as well. Um,
0: A lot of his movies are fantastic. Like even when he dipped his toes into the Marvel universe, when he, he wrote the screenplay for the first Ant-Man, you can kind of get that like vibe with Paul Rudd's like jokes and stuff in the movie. And I so wish he would have directed that. I love seeing these (laughs) like guys that we've seen from like the horror genre, like stepping into these fucking huge movies. It's always really neat to see what they do.
1: So the bar they're in is the Winchester because it gets brought up. That that's where they recently came for their anniversary after Sean forgot about their anniversary. <laughs> and uh, Liz has still not met Sean's mom. And he, he promises that, you know, we're going to go on a real date and I'll book, you know, a table at the place that does the fish. And I think when he <laughs> looks it up in the phone book, it's literally called the place that does the little fish or whatever. It is. It's literally <laughs> what he says. So real quick setup that Sean doesn't have his shit together. He better get his shit together because when he starts going sideways on shit, it only exacerbates things. So we get our opening credits and we just get a bunch of shots of normal day-to-day people that obviously are already zombies in day-to-day life. So we got the checkout clerks at the store that are all doing the same thing. That store is Landis Supermarket, by the way. And we do get a few shots where we end up seeing what are going to be key zombie characters later in the movie, which I really like that setup. And I fucking love the song. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I should have looked it up, but the
2: la, 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 la,
1: just it great. It's just so well
0: done because they're all moving like, like really, you could say robots were zombies yeah. and they're clearly alive and then they're all revisited again or, or most of them at least, as zombies, <laughs> like the kid playing the soccer is
1: an important one. Yeah. Well, and Mary, the checkout girl. But, uh,
0: it is the same checkout girl. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's cause that's where you see lane. us on the name tag, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I remember that now,
1: but, uh, we cut to Sean waking up looking just like one of the zombies. Oh, wait, he's just yawning. <laughs> just <laughs> another good shot. I'm going to try not to stop on all these cause they're so good. But, um, uh, he pops down to play some time splitters too with Ed.
2: Player two has entered the game. And you go, uh, player two has left the game.
1: Followed by the Edgar Wright signature jump cut of Sean getting ready for work. Pete comes in bitching about how the front door was left open. I don't think he says again this time. I think he just says that the front door was left open and goes on a little bit of a rant about Ed being a fuck up. And uh, Pete asks Ed to help around the house. Like, you know, could you pick up a little bit when someone calls? Could you take everyone's messages and not just your own? <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. And he turns around to leave and you see notes. They're like scraps of paper taped to his back that says, I am a prick. <laughs> Sean sees and he's like, Ed, would you do it for me at least? And Ed's like, I'm sorry, Sean. Oh, it's all right. No, Sean. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's because he farted. Right. (laughs) But uh, Sean heads across the street to the shop and he encounters a few people as he goes. The kid with the soccer ball, the homeless guy, whatnot. And as he enters the shop, we hear on a radio that a, uh, uh, a space probe is returning, had returned from orbit and crashed somewhere. Almost exactly like the original night of the living dead.
0: And throughout the entire movie, anytime you hear a radio clip or a TV in the background, it's always talking about something about the zombie fucking apocalypse before they catch on to anything about it. And it's just fun to catch the little pieces in the background.
1: Yeah. So Sean's is up making it to work and he's getting belittled by the young staff And uh, the one kid, I forget his name, but he's 17. I remember that. He gets a weed call because there's this back and forth thing throughout the movie of Ed getting phone calls from somebody and telling him he doesn't have any weed. I ain't even got any from myself. And uh, <laughs> this kid making phone calls. And of course they're calling each other. I never thought about that, but yeah, they gotta be. Yeah.
0: Well, the, the important thing here though, is Sean's giving like a speech about being responsible and not getting personal calls at work. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, and then ring. <laughs> well, that's going to be here in a minute. Cause we, we get a shot of like you were saying where he's showing somebody a TV and like, as he's changing the channel, it's like, Oh shit, bad shit's happening everywhere. And, uh, Philip shows up, which is his stepdad, which is I'm an asshole for not writing his name down. Cause this oh. guy's been in a fuck ton of stuff. I always think of him
0: from, as being Victor in the underworld movie, right? Like yes. that's, that's the first thing I saw him in, but then I started seeing him. He's in lots of British comedy movies, always fucking hilarious. I don't know how he ended up being the bad guy in underworld. <laughs> do you see him in everything else?
1: But, uh, Philip says he should probably come by and see his mom. Maybe for maybe bring the flowers he forgot on mother's day and he's like, oh, and you've got red on you because he's got this pen that's leaking in his shirt. And I think the 17 year old kid's the first one to say it. Right. So you've got red on you count. Is it two? But it's right after that that he gets the friggin' phone call that's uh, Liz, like, make sure you book the table, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And he's like, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, yeah. And that kid's right in his face. He's like, it's Liz from home office. Nothing to worry about. Right. <laughs> totally oblivious to everything Liz just fucking told him. So he heads the flower shop. He sees this dude trying to eat a pigeon. We're starting to see people run by. I think we've even had a couple army trucks go by. Still oblivious. <laughs> um, nearly home, he runs into uh, Yvonne, and through conversation, he's talking about how he's still with Liz, and he's like, oh, remembers the fucking table he forgot to book. So he goes inside, and he's getting on the phone, trying to get with that place, while Ed's in the background. It's like, do you want your messages?
2: Well, your mum rang about going around tomorrow night, and then Liz rang about the two of you eating out tonight. And then your mom rang back to see if I wanted to eat her out tonight.
1: What? So he finds out there's no fucking tables left. He just booked the last one. So Liz calls right after that and is like, so what are we doing? And he's like, the Winchester. And you've got Ed standing beside him making yeah. a W with his fingers. It's like, oh, I thought it was West Side. I thought he was in a gang. <laughs> no, no, that, that's like, that's like this. <laughs> I think Josh just got arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> so she, of course, hangs up and he grabs the flowers for mom and heads over there. And uh, he's, which ringing. I think we're just sitting
0: in dirty. Sequel. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, he's ringing the bell and Diane and David won't let him in. He's like, do you want me to climb? Do you want me to go around the side and climb up in the window? Cause I will. <laughs> and he disappears for a little bit and comes back.
0: <laughs> he does just disappear. though. I love that part. Cause it cuts to Diane and grunting. David and they can hear him grunting. And they're staring <laughs> at the window like, Oh God, he's coming through. And then it pauses. And then he comes back on the radio. No.
1: <laughs> so of course, once he's in, he gets into a fight with Liz. And, uh, as they're going back and forth, she says that she's going to go out with him, and he has to tag along.
2: What, you hang out with my friend? No. Sorry, a failed actress and a twat. But that's harsh. Your words. I did not call Diana a failed actress.
1: So Liz, of course, ends up going on a rant about how Sean said he would change, but he has it, And is like, well, I took you to Greece. It's like, we met in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, if you think about
0: Sean, he's like any guy that didn't get into a serious relationship right out of high school. Yep. Like, It doesn't matter if you're in college or or didn't go to college, but that age range, that early to mid-20s, if you're a bachelor, this is your life. I
1: mean, it really is. Yeah, if you didn't get serious real quick or get a kid, you're like fighting not to grow up. But uh, of course, like you said, we can hear a TV in the background talking about all hell's breaking loose. Uh, He ends up giving Lizzie's like, here, I got you flowers. And she's like. To a wonderful mom, or whatever. Right? Says. He's like, "Oh, oh, they must have mixed that up." And uh, she breaks up with him. So Sean, of course, heads to the Winchester with Ed to get fucking blitzed. Naturally. And uh, Ed's agging him on because he's like, "Fuck her. We don't need her." <laughs> we right? So through conversation while they're getting drunk, we learn about the rifle above the bar. And of course, it must be deactivated because the barkeep was not in the mafia, and dogs can't look up. <laughs> But as they leave, they're singing and I think this is in the trailer and I, 99% sure it was in the trailer where they're out in the street and they're like, oh, you know, the zombie down the street singing along. If it's not in the trailer, it's one of the most
0: iconic scenes in the film and it's fucking fantastic.
1: <laughs> Must be a base. Um, but they make it home and keep partying. And Pete comes in eventually because we're seeing it's obvious some time has passed and they're fucking spinning records and shit. And uh, Pete's going off <laughs> and somewhere in there. And Sean's like, it's Saturday. And he's like, it's fucking Sunday <laughs> and it's four o'clock in the fucking morning. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I have to be at work in four fucking hours. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 Sean's like, well, we broke up. We split up with Liz tonight. And he's like, just keep it down. And he's walking away. And, and what does Ed say? Is he like, cunt? Or Something, something yeah.
0: Twat something. The, yeah, Brit-
1: the British version. may have been. And Pete comes back over and he just starts going off on it. And he's like, go live in the shed, you thick fuck. Right. There's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie. Oh, yeah. For
0: everything. I mean, like, the whole plot's essentially foreshadowed. And I hope we remember to bring up a fraction of
1: them. Yeah, because the whole movie's like these eight to ten recurring things. And that's the whole damn movie. <laughs> Are you saying this is a film with reoccurring themes? It is. Wes Craven comes back to haunt us (laughs) just like fucking reanimator always pops up. (laughs) So Sean ends up going in a drunken stupor over to the whiteboard on the refrigerator, writing something while the machine plays the missed messages throughout the day from uh, Liz and from his mom. And he wakes up in the same position in the kitchen and looks and and he can see what he scrawled on the whiteboard, which is go around mums, get Liz back, sort life out. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good to-do list. Yeah. So Sean makes his morning trip to the shop and the background for us is very different. There's no soccer kid, just a soccer ball. There's no homeless man at the corner, but he's down the street stumbling around like a zombie. Around the corner, there's no guy washing the car. The windshield's busted out, but where is he? And I think a couple people run by.
0: I don't know. If, to me, when I saw that scene the first time, it was Night of the comedy.
1: Hey, I don't know why. Like, I got the kinda. Night of the
0: Comet vibe just in a comedy.
1: But uh, he goes in and it's great because he's so oblivious that he goes to the cooler to get a drink. This is when he goes to get the ice cream for Ed because he asks him if he wants anything first. And when he opens (laughs) the door, we see the bloody handprints on the door come right into frame. And he's like reading the back of a can of Coke and puts it back and gets a Diet Coke or some shit. And as he's walking away, he's reading the can and does this perfect fucking slip <laughs> yes. he sells that shit man which it's presumably blood and uh, he's bitching about how the shopkeep doesn't have any papers and he's like I owe you four pence or whatever and he's hollering for him you can see him way in the back past the coolers all zombied out right. stumbling towards him and uh, this continues as he goes back across the street the homeless zombie comes up on him he's like I haven't got any change <laughs> just, <Right. keeps laughs> just escapes them all
2: flawlessly
1: Oh. so he gets back Kicks on the news, and as he's changing channels, it's perfectly going. And the the beginning of it's all I'm gonna say here because it's like there is, and then he and he cuts to a music video on the next channel, panic in the streets of London, and like as he's going through like five things, it's telling the story.
0: It's like a perfect supercut. It tells everything. Yeah. You just gotta be paying attention to it.
1: And then we hear Ed, there's a girl in the garden. <laughs> they go out
0: back. I want to say, isn't Ed like creepily hiding behind a curtain and he He pops out to say it? It's like, you don't know if
1: he's a zombie at first. (laughs) You don't know if he's a creeper, (laughs) but you know, he's got wood because his shirt says. (laughs) Yes. But they go out there and they see Mary, Mary, the zombie, um, stumbling around. They're like, oh my God, she's drunk. (laughs) And, uh, she starts jumping on Sean. It's like, oh, I think she wants to cuddle. And they fall down together and- She's starting to get a little aggressive, and Sean's like, Ed, do something. He's like, two seconds. <laughs> and it comes back with a camera, takes a picture of him. They get up, he pushes her away, and she fucking falls on her back straight onto the base of one of those big umbrellas that like goes over a table, fucking impaled. They're like, holy shit. And then she gets back up, and we get a shot through her back of them, like, holy shit. And then to break the tension, you hear Ed. Winding the fucking camera and getting ready to take another picture. Because they think they've
0: just killed a drunk girl at first. And then she
1: stands back up and they're like, what the fuck? So then big zombie dude shows up and they're like, fuck this. And they go inside. Well, then another zombie comes into the living room because the fucking front doors open again. I forgot to say that when Pete leaves in his middle of the night rant before he goes upstairs, he's like, and the front door is open again. So they throw shit at this zombie and eventually Ed bashes his head in with a fucking ashtray. And uh, after this, the, uh, the news says,
0: The attackers can be stopped by removing the head or destroying the brain.
1: So to the garden they go with all the kitchen utensils <laughs> they could muster. And they're throwing all the shit at him to no avail. And uh, Ed sees the record that Pete threw out the night before when he was on his rant and he throws it at uh, the one zombie and it busts and a shard of it sticks into him. So then they go and get the record collection and there's a great back and forth between them. that's like, why did you buy this? And they're like, it's a first pressing or like, who's Day?" Oh, that's Liz's throw it <laughs> <laughs> and shit like that. Um, but at any rate, it's not working. They finally go to the shed or Sean does and they come back with a cricket bat and a shovel and bash the two fucking zombies heads in. So they go back inside, Ed eats his ice cream, and he tells Sean, you've got red on you. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean's mom calls. And in this conversation, we find out very quickly where Sean learned his do-nothing lifestyle. Right. Because like some men tried to get in the house. Well, did you call the police? Well, I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> and through conversation, we find out, well, actually the line she says is great. It's like, well, is everything okay? It's like, well, they were a bit bitey.
2: <laughs> Yeah.
1: And they find out Philip has been bitten and uh, Ed finally jumps on the phone. Cause he's like, we're coming over mom. No, I think it's all right. And he grabs the phone. And he's like, we're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> yes. Which that's obvious as fuck what that is. I love the reaction when they find it.
0: Sean looks up to Ed. He's like, Oh, it's just Philip. He's been bitten. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, good. Like, yeah, as long as it's not Barbara.
1: Yeah, because because first Sean's like, were you bitten? And she's like, uh, no, just Philip. And he goes, oh, okay. And then then that's when it's like, like was she bitten? It's like, no, just Philip. Oh, okay. <laughs> and there's so many little bits like that that it'd take too long if I try to put them in here. That's great between them two. So they come up with a plan. They go through a couple of revisions that give us more jump cut montages, but they finally figure out where they can go. That's safe, secure, familiar, and they can smoke the fucking Winchester. Right. And it has a gun. Cause you got to think this is England. There aren't really guns. <laughs> this is true. Still unsure whether or not that gun works or not. <laughs> it's a solid plan. It's better
0: than anything else they got. They're out of records, brother.
1: <laughs> so steal Pete's car, kill Philip, grab Barbara, Grab Liz and head to the Winchester until it blows over. <laughs> so uh Mom greets Sean with, You've got red on you. <laughs> and Sean goes over to Philip. He's behind him fixing a bash his head and he goes, I'm sorry, Philip. Philip's like, What'd you do this time? He's like, Oh shit, he's still alive. <laughs> and so it turns to him going over to Barbara like, Philip's always been mean to me. And like, blah, blah, blah. Like he's trying to prepare, mentally prepare her for I'm gonna kill his ass. It's like Mom, I'll have you know that on several occasions, he touched me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that's not true. I'm sorry. Yeah. He she turns around finally and he retracts it. Oh. <sighs> so they get ready to go outside and somehow Ed managed to wreck the car. You know why? Because Ed saw Phillip's Jaguar and he was going to drive that fucking car. So he wrecked Pete's car. So they all pile into uh, the Jaguar and they head over to, uh, to Liz's. And no, they are going to pile into the Jaguar and get attacked again. And this time Philip gets his fucking neck ripped out. Yes. Then they get in. And <laughs> and so they drive on over. And I think Ed may already be mowing down zombies. I don't remember. Hmm. They get over there and we get a revisit of the climbing in bit, only this time he actually climbs in. Cause they won't come to the door because they don't know what the fuck's going on. He and could be a zombie. And uh, once in, Liz asks Sean, well, what's the plan?" We're going to the Winchester. So on the way, Philip ends up telling Sean, this is like this one of two serious moments in the movie. The reason he was so hard on him was because he loved him and he wanted to be strong and grow up and not give up because he lost his dad. And fucking, Sean starts crying and shit, and then Philip dies. And he starts, Sean starts yelling and crying at Ed to pull over, pull, and he's still just mowing down zombies, and he finally spins the car around to a stop, and he's like, yeah! So once they're stopped, we get Sean going, Mom, he's dead. And of course, Barbara immediately replies, no, he isn't. And of course, we see zombie Philip turn around, and Sean scream, get out! Get out! So they're trying to get out of the back of the car and the doors are locked because of the fucking child safety locks because <laughs> Philip's an asshole. But they eventually get out and lock Philip in the car and there's a quick exchange with Barbara, like that thing's not your husband anymore. Let's go. I couldn't remember. So they don't actually kill Philip. No, they never do. They just leave him locked in the car. So as they're walking, now walking to the Winchester, they uh, run to Yvonne again, which is kind of a throwaway thing, but it this was almost too like going out of comedy into dumb where she's got the whole group that he has. Right. But there's more to that scene. Every single
0: one of the, when they pass by each other, there were always pairs that were on different, different shows. shows together. Yeah. Like on the office and stuff like that. Cause you got fucking, wow, I can't think of his name, but he's, you know, Watson on Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch Yeah, he's Yab- everything Bond's
1: boyfriend. And then on down the line, cause
0: he's on the office and stuff. So like every pair from each group, when they pass by, they all were on a different, Movie or TV show together.
1: Yeah. Which that part of it's cool, but to the, if you don't know that, it feels like a forced in scene.
0: I bet the British loved it. It's because we're American and didn't know.
1: Yeah. (laughs) This is true. All we know is dick and fart jokes. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) If you think about it, though, if it would have been like perfectly paired up actors from American shows,
1: it would have been like, oh, that's fucking hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We can't be stuck up asshole Americans all the time, Josh. <laughs> so they start cutting through some backyards and Barbara's like, oh, I think blah, 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 blah live here. I don't remember their names. And she ends up kind of falling behind. And, um, we hear her holler and Sean goes back to get her and she's being attacked by the zombie, the pajama, uh, zombie is what I think they refer to him. And, uh, they get, <laughs> give Sean a tethered ball pole, and he's like, yeah. And he just swings around and bops him in the head with (laughs) the fucking tethered ball. And they're like, no, jab, jab. (laughs) And he fucking stakes him into the tree. (laughs) Um, But if you pay close attention here, when Barbara's walking up, she's got this handkerchief already going for her arm. Right. Um, At any rate. So... (laughs) He does there's this little like kitty slide and Sean does this walk up onto the top of the slide to look over the fence to see if the coast is clear and they're like, "Well, is the coast clear?" He's like, "No. How many is it?" Lots. And we're talking about like he <laughs> got an extra foot and a half of clearance off this thing. Yeah, it's great, but the camera never moves. You just see it come out. Of, it's great. So, uh, Diane the failed actress is like, "Look at this." What can we learn from this? And they go down the line of everybody trying to do their best zombie, which of course Sean's going to win hands down, and he does.
0: No, Barbara nailed it though.
1: She didn't know what was going on though. No, no, that's the funniest part to me.
2: (laughs) Barbara, great great great. work,
1: huh? Now,
0: have we missed the part where Sean gives a speech about how the Winchester's only like a few fences away and he
1: goes to jump over the fence? Yeah, sorry. That's when he when they first start cutting through the yards because he's saying to go that way. And I think it's David's like, yeah. no, we need to go. This he's like, what's the matter? You never taken a shortcut? And yeah, he goes to jump the first <laughs> section of fence and it fucking falls. <laughs> I know we can't do every
0: scene in the movie, but that one gets me every fucking time the way it's shot.
1: So they, they do their blending in thing and it works. And they get over to the Winchester, but it's locked. Ed gets another weed call And this time Sean calls him out And he's like Not fucking today <laughs> Of course him yelling at him Brings the attention of all the zombies to him Like oh shit right. that broke character <laughs> So David freaks out I think he throws a trash can through the window But he busts out the window of the Winchester Like alright get in Like he, he's douchey Harry Potter I mean he's just <laughs> <laughs> He does kind of look like a grown ass Harry Potter He does Sean ends up drawing the zombies away,
2: it! it's a running oh, you it!
1: and uh, the others make it in. But uh, Barb sees these flowers in the trash and she grabs them. And I think Liz is pulling her away. She's like, "I think these are for me." Right, because <laughs> uh, Barbara's already kind of starting to look not pale, healthy,
0: pale, pallid, cold sweats, and everything. Yeah, she's out of it.
1: Yeah. So they go in and David does a little bit of bitching about Sean and kind of try and turn the group against him. And, you know, where is he? He just left us. And he's like, well, at least they didn't bust out the fucking window. Right. But Sean comes in through the back and they hang out and drink for a while until the streetlights come on. And it's like, oh, shit, grid must be back up. Let's see if we can get some lights on in here. So Sean hits the breaker. And as he's doing this, he sees the lights come on in the back door and you can just see the horde of zombies at the back door. And he goes and pulls the shade down. <laughs>
0: Cause he realized he's done fucked up and they know he's in there. Yeah.
1: He did not give them the slip. Like he said he had. And he comes back in and that's when Ed hits the fucking jackpot on the Dracula slot machine. <laughs> and of course the attack begins from the inside, not the outside because the fucking barkeep all of a sudden fucking stands up. And, uh, the jukebox comes on and this is another revisited joke where, um, cause earlier in the movie when Sean first goes to the Winchester with Ed, If you leave me now, you take away. Because it's like, who put this on? It's on random. (laughs) And then fucking queen comes on. Who put this on? It's on random. (laughs) And they're beating the shit out of Barkeep back and forth to the beat of, uh, don't stop me now. (laughs) I mean, like, I don't remember what movie or cartoon
0: it is, but like. So I just remember somebody saying nobody wants to get their ass beat to a soundtrack.
1: <laughs> that is from Dave Chappelle's fucking stand-up. Chip right. still got the music on. We're not gonna <laughs> take it. <Right. laughs> nobody wants to get their ass beat to a soundtrack, and I think
0: that every time I watch this, because oh. they're like they're they're circle strafing around him, yeah, <laughs> beating him with like pool cues and whatever in perfect beat, and I don't know. If that was Simon or Edgar's idea, but it was fucking pure comedy gold. Uh,
1: I'm, you know, and I've always thought that that drags on too long when I watch the movie. But now, if I think of Dave Chappelle while watching it, it's totally okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I never thought that scene dragged. I love every second
1: of it. <laughs> but uh, Di- Diane tries to help, and she's throwing darts, and Sean's like in the head, in the head, and she hits him in the head. Sean, <laughs> not the barkeep. <laughs> Ed throws Sean the the bar rifle and he uses it to slam a barkeep into the jukebox. And it's like, why didn't you just shoot it? And Sean starts to say that the gun's not real and squeezes off a shot into the fucking bar. Right. (laughs) And it's like, I told you. And he's like, yeah, but dogs can look up. (laughs) (laughs) So they decide to work together to run the gun because nobody's ever done it. And there's a big faux pas in here that pisses me off because he's like, we have. 29 bullets 28 oh and call them shells they're bullets they're not shells shotgun shells rifle bullets anyways they could maybe just, it's a british thing
0: i was gonna they're british they don't know about guns man. even their <laughs> cops
1: have fucking billy clubs
0: <sighs> at any rate have you ever dove through the air while firing two guns at the same time going ah like in point break <laughs>
1: So Liz pulls Barb away because from the action because she's looking faded, <laughs> and Ed's giving Sean clock positions for target. So, right, you know, two o'clock, twelve o'clock. <laughs> Diane and David try to help. But they're like quarter to twelve, eleven <laughs> forty-five. So Ed starts treating it like time splitters, top left, bottom right, because that's what he was doing earlier in the movie when they were playing. Uh, but the wave uh, gets pushed back enough for Sean to go check on his mom. And one by one, they go over to see what's going on with her, leaving David alone with the gun. So, of course, we see that Barbara's been bit. She says when it happened, she didn't want Sean to worry. And because she starts off by trying to give this necklace to Liz, she's like, I think you should have it. She's like, oh, fuck, you've been bit. But at any rate, she dies. So Pickle's having a real hard time. And uh, supposedly, that was the Barb calling Sean Pickle so many times mm-hmm. in the movie, is that's what his Simon Pegg's mom used to call him. I think I remember reading that now that you say it. Of course, David, who has no balls, they're like not even in a jar in the basement, just no balls. (laughs) He's got the rifle on Barbara. It's like, she's going to turn into one of those things. They're like, you're not going to shoot my fucking mom. And this escalates to the point where out of all of them, there's like, he has the gun. Uh, I think Sean has a corkscrew to David's neck. Then- Diane's got a busted bottle up to there's like all of them. Everyone's at each other's throats. And Ed
0: pulls something
1: out of somewhere. Yeah. I just heard Ed keeps going. Ah, well, cause at some point Diane's like, isn't this not fair? And someone breaks a bottle and hands it to her or some shit like that. <laughs> but of course they're in the middle of this fucking standoff. And, uh, Sean goes on this rant about how David hates him and he, he's always hated him because he's always been in love with Liz and, Diane, of all people, confirms it. And she's like, when she turned you down, I was there to pick up the pieces. Foreshadowing again. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But Liz finally takes charge, slaps the gun barrel down and screams.
2: Please, can we just calm the fuck down? Of
1: course, perfect timing for Barb to sit right the fuck up, all zombied out. Of course, Sean takes care of her. And David smarts something off and Sean decks him. He lands on the ground next to the rifle, points it at Sean, and squeezes off a fucking shot. Right. <laughs> but the gun's empty. So David, now that he's just a full-blown douchey O'Neill, <laughs> He's a full-blown douche O'Neill at this point. He's trying to get out. He's like, oh, 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 I'm fucked now, I'm fucked now. And uh, Diane talks him out of it. It's like, get away from the door. Shut the fuck up. It's a stressful situation. We've seen this played out in other movies. He could apologize. Temporary insanity. Let's all work to get along. But no. And he calms down and shrugs next to the window, the window, the zombies burst through and fucking drag his ass out there and start ripping out his insides, fucking old school zombie flick style. And they get everything but his leg because Diane gets his leg and goes charging out the fucking door to go get David. <laughs> oh. It's
0: like they ran out of ideas on how to kill people all. <laughs> I know,
1: right? So at this point, they're bursting in from all angles and fucking Ed gets attacked by none other than Pete. Right. (laughs) Because I totally left this out. But before they left the house, there's another quick. We did leave all this out. Sean has to have a wee before they leave. And he goes upstairs. And when he shuts the medicine cabinet in the reflection, he sees Pete's shadow in the shower and he goes and opens it and Pete's fucking zombie. But Pete makes his reprisal. And uh, it's almost like Barbara's brother showing back up. And the Living Dead. Hey. Hey, another reference. But uh Ed gets fucked up, man, because he gets bit on the arm by Pete and bit on the neck by another zombie. It's actually probably the most brutal and serious attack in the film. That that one and uh Philip getting bit on the neck because that's like broad daylight. Yeah. But both of them feel straight out of dawn of the dead. <laughs> yeah, they stop filming those those two attacks don't feel like a comedy movie at that point. <laughs> no. But uh Sean ends up shooting Pete in the head. And so the three we have left now are Sean, Ed and Liz, and they all dive behind the bar. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Ed's laying there holding his neck and he's like, can I get a tissue or can I get a rag or something? And I think it's Sean just reaches up above his head and ends up grabbing one away from a zombie. <laughs>
2: <and> throws <laughs> it to him.
1: But, uh, Sean gets up and he sets the bar on fire and plops back down. And I think it's Liz. That's like, uh, where are the bullets? And he's like, oh, oh they're on the fucking bar. <laughs> and they start exploding, and they do have one explode and ricochet and at least get one of the zombies. But uh, they're realizing they're pretty well fucked. And Ed's like, we can go down into the cellar. It goes out to the street, and that's how they deliver the beer or something like that. So they go down there, and Sean has a breakdown. And uh, uh, Liz asks how many bullets they have left. And uh, he tells her two. And they start discussing how they can off themselves. And I was like, well, I think one of us should go first and all this shit. (laughs) And uh, Ed chimes in, he's like, I don't mind being eaten. (laughs) And Sean says, You know, I don't think I have it in me to shoot my mom, my flatmate, and my girlfriend all in the same evening. To which Liz replies,
2: What makes you think I've taken you back? You don't want to die single, do you? That's it. I would like to be shot.
1: So uh, they go to have a final smoke, Liz and uh, Sean. Sean. Shaun of the Dead, important character in the movie. (laughs) Yeah,
0: because she kept his cigarettes and he's like, I can quit at any time. And they threw him away,
1: right? Yeah. She's like, well, it was a bad day or some shit like that. And as she goes to light his, hers, somebody has the lighter and the light from the lighter reveals the switch to the fucking lift they've been sitting on. But it was neat that it was a reveal that was supposedly supposed to be kind of a nod at the Resident Evil game series. Correct. Yeah. So it's like, holy shit, we can get out. So uh, Sean leaves Ed behind with a gun and uh, <laughs> they're crying and going back and forth about the whole rant and everything. And Ed's like, I'm sorry, Sean. Sean's like, it's okay. He's like, no, I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> and the follow-up every time is I'll quit doing it when you quit laughing or something like that. Um, so the couple escapes while the zombies burst in. And now top side, they're surrounded. But, oh, they're saved by the army and Yvonne. Yet yeah, some dudes and some can't-do attitudes. Exactly. So we cut to six months later, and we're seeing news reports about the zombies and the slave zombies, because they'll make really good docile workers. And the game show zombies, <laughs> and uh, the 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 zombie that they show putting up the shopping carts is the asshole kid from the electronics store, right? Um, and we even end with a lady on uh, on like a talk show, whose her husband's a zombie, and the host is like, "Do you go to bed with it?"
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like some Mari Povich shit. Yeah.
1: But, uh we see Liz and her and Sean discuss their plans for the evening. Sean says he's going to go out to the shed, two sex. But there we see a chained up Ed controller in hand, and of course, we again hear Player two has entered the game as Sean sits down to play some fucking time splitters with his buddy Ed. Cue the queen again. You're my best friend. credits. <laughs> and he's living in the shed just like uh Pete foreshadowed. Exactly. I think we talked about this off air and I forgot to bring this up during the movie. The uh the electronic store that Sean works at is Forey Electric, which is a reference to Ken Fory who of course was Peter in Dawn of the Dead 78. He's in a fuck ton of rob zombie movies. Yeah. Now on the DVD that I've got there's a plot holes section and uh, one of them is uh what happened to Ed and another one's what happened to, uh, Diane. And they're like comic book style. Have you seen these?
0: No, but I read that canonically Diane survived, right? She hit yes. a tree.
1: Yeah. She, uh, and they do like, uh, comic book cells, but then it's narrated by the actors. Um, so she got away and held up in a tree and survived eating David's leg and then went <laughs> to live with her aunt. And what happened to Ed was he, he ended up surviving. He got, Two and one shot or two good shots with his two bullets and everything and hid under the stairs. And the military came in and cleared out the place, but they never found Ed. But when Sean went back to mourn, he found Ed. So that's kind of dumb, but whatever. That's, that's the missing part there as far as how Sean got Ed back. I fucking loved this movie. Yes. And it hits all the notes because it's got some serious shit in it. It's got great callbacks. It's got great comedy. It's got a little bit of action. Um, everything feels good. Um,
0: I know people who can't get into British movies that fucking love this movie.
1: I know people that can't handle zombie movies that this was an end for them because um, this was before we had Zombieland.
0: I can't remember the name, but wasn't there like a proposed sequel title that was fucking badass?
1: Um, like from Dust Till Sean <laughs> yes, or what something. Yeah. I,
0: maybe it was supposed to be a vampire movie. <laughs> I don't know, but the name alone, like any way they could do horror movie names <laughs> and throw Sean in there. I'm on board if this team's involved. Well,
1: I think don't hold me to this, but I think Simon Pegg actually brings it up in the DVD commentary. Um, So I don't know if that was a jab or if it was ever actually talked about.
0: Honestly, I would have rather them do like an anthology horror series with Sean and Ed as the main characters, not related to the previous movies. They'd just yeah. do like horror spoofs every time more than hot fuzz and worlds End.
1: Yeah. Just not have it be canon. Just have the same two characters on yeah, another yeah. adventure. Like,
0: Sean and Ed stuck in a vampire bar <laughs> <laughs> at the fucking titty
1: Twister all day long, man. I'd be okay with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that one's just definitely a rewatch. Like I said, I wish the trilogy would have stayed as consistent. We didn't get like the other horror movies. That would have been a, been a cooler idea. No. Yeah. But just like our next movie, it's just a lot of fucking fun, like all these movies were.
1: Given the lead in on this one is going to be hard on me because I want to gush so much about this movie. This movie did so many things to me, including giving me a husband's bulge. And that is 2011's Cabin in the Woods. This fucking movie was so full of win
0: when I saw it in theaters. And it's full of win all five plus times I watch it a year. Yes. God, yes. It's it's. <laughs> I mean, the, the duo that made it needs to make more films. And it was directed by Drew Goddard, which almost to me seems like a flip of a coin for that. (laughs) And it was co-written between Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon. And of course, everybody knows Joss from Buffy and Angel and Firefly. And then Drew also worked on Buffy and Angel and Lost. Yep. And Cloverfield. Yep. And he's the showrunner, of the Daredevil show that's on Netflix. Like this guy, he gets cool fucking projects and it makes it work. And I've heard mixed stories on how Drew ended up directing the movie. Yeah. And and the story that I have always heard that I did not debunk until this week was that Joss was making the Avengers the same time he was making this and he was bouncing in between both sets. And he was like I'm never going to do that again, so it'll kill me. And he bumped Drew up from like writer, co-writer to you're now directing and we had like a Spielberg Hooper thing going, okay? Yeah, that's... Completely untrue because this movie was stuck in production hell because MGM went into bankruptcy. Yep. So it came out like right before Avengers, but it was made like a year or two before that. Yeah. And you got Chris Hemsworth in it, right, who was Thor. Which, funny story, he got Chris Hemsworth the Thor job from this movie.
1: Yeah, because there was going to be no way whoever was going to be Thor was going to have to be Thor. And uh, Joss Whedon was cited as the... uh, the scene where he gives the little speech before the jump with the motorcycle was when he's like, "That's it, you are a fucking movie star, and the world's gonna know."
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is a little off from what we're covering, but do you know who the other two options for Thor was?
1: I read, but I don't remember. So Loki, yeah,
0: was Thor originally, and there's okay. you can go to YouTube and you can see him with the blonde wig and the armor with Mjolnir. Okay, it's fucked up looking. <laughs> But Chris Hemsworth's brother, yes. Well, brother, yes, was actually ahead of him to be Thor, yep. which I don't know. I would have to see it. He's a good actor, but not the same kind. Yeah. But Chris Hemsworth, where he got popular was Taika Waititi, who's going to come up in the next episode. Yeah. Using him in Ragnarok as a comedic actor is yeah. just kind of what pushed him to the roof. But I mean, we're not here to talk about Chris Hemsworth, but one last little note the uh mordecai the harbinger scene at the gas station yeah the studio saw that and they're like we want him for fucking red dawn so he got he got some movies out of this yeah
1: they were they saw the dailies and and that's how he got red dawn
0: but that, that was one of the stories I always heard completely debunked and a couple of sites like imdb and the wikipedia says that they both came off of two failed projects and either one of them wanted to direct it
1: yeah they didn't
0: i looked that's but then I saw one more article that said they had two failed proposed projects. There you go. Maybe. But uh, the recollection on why it was Drew, Drew and Joss have different reasons for it. Yeah. It, it was a good choice. And it, it's just like Poltergeist. You can see behind the scenes stuff and you can see them both looking through the camera. They made this motherfucker together. Yeah. And it, it's just great for it.
1: Yeah. Because uh, Whedon ended up being bumped to producer.
0: Yeah, writer and producer. Yeah, yeah, quote
1: unquote bump to producer. So there was still total involvement from the both of them.
0: Well, apparently, this is Joss's version because uh, he, he literally said in an interview that Drew remembers it wrong. <laughs> they wanted the guy that made the first couple of Jeeper Creepers movies to, yep. re- to direct it originally. Yeah. And then Drew ended up doing it somehow. Yep. But Drew based it off of Los Alamos, New Mexico, where they have like the nuclear testing bases because yep. that's where he grew up. Yep. So a little bit of, you know, Art imitating life, right? Yeah, the
1: whole thing of the the people go into the labs and not knowing what's going on in the labs type shit,
0: right? And a uh, couple more random facts for a dive in the movie. Heather Langenkamp worked on the special effects for this movie.
1: Yeah, she did makeup, and she's credited under the name Anderson. Yeah, um, because she got pulled in because her husband does special effects, which you can see that in fucking uh, New Nightmare. New Nightmare.
0: And uh, I love this little bit. The opening scene of this film was meant to make you think you were in the wrong theater watching the wrong movie. Yes. And I love the opening scene of this movie. I, I cite it all the time as one of my favorite movie openings of all time.
1: Yeah. There will be some story time with Josh when we get to that in the movie, which is now
0: we open up in, you know, some sort of lab underground bunker facility with Citizen and Hadley. And these guys, I mean, I'm not going to list all their credits, but Citizen is <laughs> Richard fucking Jenkins and Hadley's Bradley Whitford. And honestly, they're all I need in this movie. I could literally just watch these two fucking guys do anything in an office and I'm entertained. They are my favorite parts of the film.
1: Yeah, they're so fucking good together in this.
0: But they're, they're hanging out the water cooler and getting coffee and riding around in the golf cart just talking about everyday normal work shit. And at talking about how his wife's like childproofed all the fucking cabinets and he can't open anything. And she's even done the cabinets up top, which you'd have to be 30 if they <laughs> even had a child. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, uh, I mean, he, he invites citizen over for the weekend. like drink some beers and fucking liberate his cabinets with some power tools. Right. But they meet up with Lynn who's played by Amy Acker, which she's been in so much shit now, but she is Fred. Always Winifred from Angel slash Illyria, right? And fucking fantastic actress. Um, but she's saying that all the other countries have failed, and it's just down to Japan and them. And you have no fucking clue what's going on at this yeah, point. none at all. And Hadley reminds them that they have a great success rate. They haven't failed since 98, and that was due to the chem department's failure. And he's like, which department do you work in again? <laughs> oh, yeah, the Kim department. And they drive off in the fucking... Uh, Golf cart, and you see the title card pop up with a scream. It is fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah, I went into this movie 100% blind, and when it got to that title card, I turned and looked at the people I was watching it with like what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> like, this is you, you all talk this up and you're so full of shit. And then making my little sister watch this after I saw it, cause she was sitting closer to the TV than me. And I'm just watching over her shoulder, like all excited and shit. And it does the title card. And she literally gives me the slow turn <laughs> with that same look. And I'm like, shut your fucking mouth. You don't talk again until the credits. <laughs> so the idea worked. <laughs> yes. It's so great. Most of the movies that we
0: covered that we saw together are older films. A lot of the newer ones we've never seen together, right? Yeah. And out of every movie we've ever covered on the show, I would say this is the one that I'm most disappointed we didn't see together. True. I mean, I went and saw it in the theaters just because I saw Joss Whedon, Drew Goddard, and I got a husband bulge in my pants and I had to go <laughs> and see it. But We cut to a neighborhood street and to what is Dana's house and she's played by there's a lot of these people I've seen in other stuff. Some of them are more famous than other. Yeah. But it's Kristen Connolly. I most recognized her from House of Cards.
1: Never watched it. It's,
0: it's an all right, show. If I was gonna watch nonfiction I would just go outside kind of thing. So
1: I was just like cutie. Red hair. <laughs>
2: underwear <laughs>
0: I'm in. (laughs) She's in her underwear this whole scene. We find out that she's on a breakup from dating and banging one of her professors, and her friend Jules apparently has just bleached her hair blonde and likes it, right? And it's just normal college (laughs) kid conversations, real quick. (laughs) Oh, God, I love this movie. (laughs) Kurt comes in, and it's motherfucking Thor, Chris Hemsworth, and uh, he noticed Jules' hair change, and he points out his friend Holden, who they're trying to set up with Dana, right? Yep. And uh, he has some questions about some of Jules's textbooks. What are these? What are you doing with these? Okay, I get it. I'll leave the books. No, box. no, no. Who gave you these? Who taught you about these? I learned it from you,
2: okay? I learned it from watching you!
0: We find out at this point, like, you get a little hint that Kurt's really smart. Like, he's, like, looking at Dana's books, and he's like, oh, you know, you should read this for research and do this and that. Yep. Which is kind of odd, because he looks like your hero jock, right? And uh, I should say when he came in, he, he, you know, chunked a football at the window. Well, actually threw it at the girls and they didn't think fast enough. Right. And Holden caught it. So he's kind of athletic out there. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I said it earlier, but um, Holden's played by Jesse Williams and he always looks familiar to me. And I look him up and I don't notice anything immediately that I saw him in, but I see that he was like a, a regular doctor or something on Grey's Anatomy, which I've randomly seen episodes. Oh, wow. For the most part, they've all been in like big shit, right? even if it's like a, a, a bit part or something. Well, he's but,
1: the one that I always think I recognize. And then it's like Grey's Anatomy. I've never watched that. Right.
0: My, <laughs> my in-laws would watch it when I'd go over and see my wife and stuff, when we got married. So I, I, I probably spotted him there or there's something I didn't catch. Right. Yeah. But they go outside and they're loading up an RV to go on a trip to Kurt's cousin's cabin. When Morty rolls up in a car, smoking a giant fucking bong <laughs> and he gets out of the car and the bong is a fucking thermos when he squishes it down. This is a working bong and thermos, and the prototype
1: was $5,000 for their
0: to make it for this movie.
1: And I recently saw that somebody finally went the full tilt, and you can now buy your own, and it's still like $1,500 to get insane. Like, a reproduction one.
0: But uh, <laughs> they're telling them they can't you know, smoke a pot out in public like that, so they don't want to get arrested. <laughs> and Marty...
1: <laughs> Marty is fucking amazing.
0: Yeah, it's played by Fran Kranz, and... I always recognize him from Joss Whedon's dollhouse, yep. which if anybody's never seen that show, just go fucking find it and watch it. I don't know if it's still Netflix canceled way too soon. Yeah. It was a fantastic way, way. show. And he was more recently in I might be the killer. Yes. So,
1: but, uh, yeah, the cancellation of that and, uh, Firefly, both of them, somebody needs to have the shit knocked out of them for both of those.
0: I'm sure they regretted that after, uh, Avengers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A cop would never pull over a man with a giant bong in his car because they fear him, for he can see further than they. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about, but he talks like that the whole time. And he looks like Shaggy. He does. Like they dress him that way. I guess that's his normal hair for the most part. Yeah. I do want to say this is this is fantastic and it comes up more importantly in a lake scene. He's wearing the really baggy clothes the whole time. For a reason. It's because apparently he was so much more fucking jacked than Holden and Kurt, which is funny to me because Kurt's fucking Thor. Yeah. But I mean- Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans is Captain America. Those guys aren't jacked until they have to be, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, they want to lead normal lives. But he always plays a nerdy character. So it's hard for me to think that he was more jacked than
1: Thor in a movie. I know, right? But when he gets he gets out of the car and while, he's still telling his rant and he gets out of the car and locks the door and the window's still down on the car. And I, I don't remember if it was... Drew or Joss, but supposedly this is the same kind of car and like what one of them used to do, like leave the window down and still lock the door.
0: <laughs> Drew had the same car when he was younger, and he would for some reason lock the doors out rolling out the windows, and he never knew why.
1: Okay, he's like, you're not bringing that on the Rambler, and that's when he collapses the <laughs> bong down to the mug. I'm sorry, I'll I love this movie.
0: <laughs> but as they pull away in the Rambler, the RV, we see a man on the roof. He's like a man in black with an earpiece, and he's like, the nest is empty. They're on schedule. If that's your first clue that this has something to do with the guys that need to liberate their fucking cabinets. We cut back to HQ, the office, control room, whatever the fuck I'm going to call it throughout this movie, because there's a lot of cuts in this movie. <laughs> and we see that Sitterson and Hadley are firing up their control panels and we're introduced to Truman, their guard, which I think is mm-hmm. a Truman show reference. Yep. Because they have like, you know, they got these big TVs and monitors and they can see everything, including them driving off. The gang pulls up at a gas station to get gas, and it's like an old-timey, creepy, hillbilly-looking gas station.
1: <laughs> No-mo gas kind of place.
0: <laughs> right, right. Just like you'll have eyes. And uh, Kurt and Marty are trying to figure out how to barter with old gas Mom because it doesn't take cards. <laughs> I think this is barter gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, they're introduced to Mordecai the Harbinger, who's just a bit part in this movie, but <laughs> he's fantastic. Yeah. He tells them that the cabin they're going to is the old Buckner place, and uh, they have enough gas to get there, but getting back's another problem. It's real, like, <laughs>
1: fucking mysterious. Yeah, because it's supposed to be Kurt's cousin's place.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Harbinger says some shit about the cabin's always changing hands. Somebody's always trying always trying to get rid of it.
1: Now, I got to bring up here, as they're going to leave, because there up being almost a confrontation, but as they're going to leave, Marty's all like, I hear the railroad's coming through soon you'll have streets paved with actual street. (laughs) (laughs) Mordecai
0: says something about the war and he's like, which war was that? You goddamn know which war. (laughs) Is
1: it the one where brother was fighting brother?
0: And honestly, if we said every funny line in this movie, this is a seven hour episode.
1: I know, but I have to throw a few of them in there. But we see the gang
0: back in the RV and they're driving up to the cabin. And as we see them going through this tunnel and pulling around, we see this bird flying around and he hits this like honeycomb force field. And that's the best way I know to explain it. And it fries the bird like a bug zapper.
1: Yep. And this is the next part in the movie where Josh, just a little t- t- tidbit here. I didn't even know this movie existed <laughs> the first time I watched it. Cause this is when I worked on the road. And so first the guy on top with the earpiece and I'm like, what the fuck? And then this happens and I'm like, let me roll this back a little bit. Anyone listening right now who has never seen this movie, turn us the fuck off. You have to watch this movie. It is too damn good to be spoiled by us. Watch it, then come listen. Should have said that beginning. This, I gush for this movie in awkward ways. <laughs> <laughs> But at any rate... Is it out of your husband's bulge? It's out of my husband's bulge. But
0: the important part, though, is to make sure you come back and listen to the episode. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, that's
1: another... What the fuck? Why?
0: Anyways, going on? I do want to point out, and I'm going to try to not make this a four-hour-long episode, but I also love this movie. So the the gas station scene was the first scene... They filmed and it was the first thing Drew Goddard ever directed. Yep. And when they got to the gas station, it was covered in fucking snow because they're in Vancouver and they had to clear that out. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. But the gang's now up at the cabin and Dana
1: reluctantly approaches it because she's scared. And we do get, I'm sorry again, that's going to happen a lot this movie. We get the low crawl shot just over the ground to reveal the cabin, which is straight up fucking Evil Dead.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of throwbacks in this movie. And to the point where some people shit on this movie online and say it's just a try-hard movie.
1: They don't understand. I just feel like it was it's so intentional
0: that it's fun. But, anyways, they go in the cabin, they check it out. Kurt and Jules thinks it's cool right out the gate, and they all separate to the rooms. Holden goes in his room and he sees this creepy fucking like painting. I don't know if it's like Victorian era or whatever, but they're like gutting a goat. That's it's kind of disgusting. He's like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> and he takes it off and he sees a window into Dana's room and he realizes that she can't see him. So it's like a two way mirror and obviously he likes her. And then she starts to undress and he's smiling. He gets excited and then he gets a little chivalrous. Yeah. And he's, like, uh-uh. and he, he goes and tells her and the whole gang comes in to check out this two way mirror. Marty says it was the pioneer days and people had to make their own interrogation rooms. And so these lines are just so random and he delivers them. Great. And Kurt wants to check out the rest of the rooms to make sure no one can watch him pound Jules away. But Holden being the gentleman he is swaps rooms with Dana just to make her feel better. And you can tell she appreciates it because she also likes Holden. They get a little bit flirty, but Dana's off her game, right? Like she's saying stupid shit and embarrassing herself. It's just not working out for her. We cut back to the office and we can see that Citizen, Hadley, and Lynn are monitoring everyone in their rooms. They can see every room in the cabin. They're watching them. Lynn says something about how she messed with Jule's hair dye so that when she bleached her hair, it would make her like dumber and lower inhibitions. They created a dumb blonde. Yep. (laughs) And then the fucking phone rings (laughs) and Hadley answers on the speakerphone. I don't know if it's an intern or what. And he's like... The harbinger's on the phone and he's kind of creeping me out. And he's like, ah, transfer him to me. And he goes on the greatest speech ever. Yeah, He's like, the lambs have passed to the killing floor. Cleanse them. Cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. Bathe them in the crimson of... Am I on
2: speakerphone? I can hear the echo. That's rude. I don't know
0: who's in the room. And they're all laughing at him. Hadley's Fucking with him, blowing smoke up his ass, acting like it's an accent, and he doesn't know about the speakerphone. He can hear everybody laughing, and he's so disrespectful. And he's like, he goes in and out of being a harbinger and a normal dude at the
1: same time. And the thing about, because there's going to be other moments later, the thing about Hadley is he's such an asshole, but you still love him. You know what I mean?
0: I'm glad you said that, because I'm going to tell a story later, and I'm glad that's the view you have of him. He's my favorite (laughs) character, though. We cut to the lake at the cabin, and we see the gang's goofing off at the lake and doing normal shit. That and thing in the
1: water looks just like my girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Chuck's jewels, And they're all getting undressed, except for Marty, and that's due to the, uh, he's Buffiness. bigger than the other guys, <laughs> Yeah, which is still fucking funny to me. Um, cut back to HQ, and <laughs> this is utterly fucking fantastic here we see everyone in the office from different departments. There's people everywhere. And this is like a normal everyday workplace and they're all placing bets on something. Like it might as well be the fucking college basketball brackets or whatever. Right. Yeah. And they're betting on what's going to kill the kids. Well, Truman who's new to the company is appalled by the idea and Lynn's talking to him and she's acting like she kind of is as well until she passes her money off with her bet. Yep. And Truman says he, he feels like the game's rigged and citizen explains that the game's not rigged. They just get the group together, get them to the cabin, get them to the basement. And then once there, they decide their own fate. Citizen says it's a system. It's an all well played system. Even the fucking weird harbingers part of the system. Everything plays a part. It's a ritual. It's a process. But he just explains how the, the kids pick something evil, summon them, and it has to kill them in order.
1: Yeah, and we're to the point where we're not being spoon-fed, but we know... The why, actually we know the how, but we don't know the why.
0: Right. And I, I have to go over some of this whiteboard. Okay. Some, you need to go over the whole goddamn thing. (laughs) We can't do this whole movie verbatim, Josh. It would take forever. Okay. They have a whiteboard and it has different monsters and departments that bet on them. Like werewolf finance, alien beast, biomed, mutants, right? And some of these are like self-explanatory where you see your zombies and things like that. Yeah. But some of the funnier ones that stand out to me is you have witches and then sexy witches, yep. right? Um, angry Molesting Tree is, Evil is a personal favorite of
1: mine just because it's funny. Uh, Deadites is on here. Evil Dead again. Kevin, <laughs> the companion book, Drew Goddard, he referred to it as, Kevin is the normal guy you know at best Buy who's completely average until he hacks someone to bits
0: right um a few of the other funny ones dragon bat pops up later dismemberment goblins there's a sugar plum fairy the goddamn merman which is a, a favorite of hadley's <laughs> and actually hadley voted on it according to the whiteboard here yeah unicorn um zombie redneck torture family <laughs> it's just, it's it's a great list you, you can look it up online when i saw the movie in theaters the first thing i thought was i cannot wait till i can see like an hd picture Yes. Of this fucking scene. And,
1: and this scene has to absolutely be in the top five most paused movie scenes of all time. And on first watch, when I saw it, I was like, wait a second. And I grabbed the remote and rewound it and got it. And I'm like, frame by frame. That's this fucking unicorn. I know. And and the wife, girlfriend at the time, Ginger and J.J. but like, push play, shut the fuck up and <laughs> sit down and watch the movie. Damn. <laughs> it's just so
0: fun. I love it. There's really only two set places in this movie. We cut back to the cabin. <laughs> we see they start partying right as the office is also getting ready to party a little bit, right? Yeah. And the gang's playing truth or dare. And Marty <laughs> tells. <laughs> And Marty dares Jules to go make out with that moose over there. And they're all puzzled. And he's pointing to like a, a mounted wolf head. Yeah. And uh, I'm living in a womb of reefer or something like that. <laughs> and she does this thing where she's like walking up all sexy to it and talking to it. And it's it's weird and a fun ride. And sometimes it's just so out of place because yeah. they're all getting into it. And uh, she makes out with the wolf head, which was fake, had a fake tongue, but apparently they put powdered sugar all over it to make it uh, dusty, but palatable. Yeah, for her to be able to do it and I'd <laughs> just be completely fucking grossed out. And as they're doing this, the creepy evil dead two cellar door pops open and it must have just been the wind.
2: Uh, That makes what kind of sense?
0: They do what any group of smart people would do in a creepy cabin in the woods when the dead by dawn cellar door pops open. <laughs> they go, they down go down and check it out. And at least they didn't separate not yet, (laughs) but they go down there and they find lots of weird artifacts and items that seem to tie in a little bit with the board. And I can't go into all these things, but you see like a puzzle ball that looks like the Hellraiser puzzle box. You see a music box with a dancing girl. That's the sugar plum fairy. Thor almost blows into a conch shell, right? And, uh, the thing they settle on is Dana finds a diary and it's the, the Buckner diary. And it tells the crazy stories of the zombie redneck torture family before they were zombies. The husband had a husband bulge, right? He tortured the whole family. He like cut open mama's stomach and put in hot coals. Patience, the daughter, I don't remember what the fuck he did. She only had one working arm. It's all very dark and yeah, fucked up. Yeah. And her,
1: it, her arm was, uh, I forget the line, but she says she hacked it off.
0: Yeah. And uh, Dana is really like moved by all this. And she finds a part written in Latin and decides to read it. Okay. I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do
2: not read the Latin.
0: We cut to outside and we see like a uh, graves bust open and the Buckner family starts crawling out of the graves. Um, I don't remember yep. all their names. The daughter's patience. patience. She's I'm just, the important one. And I'm not afraid everybody else is the Buckners, right. We cut to the office and we have a winner. Maintenance and Ron the intern. <laughs> One lady walks up to Citizen after he's handing out all the money. And she's mad because she's like, hey, I voted for zombies. And they're like, ah, yes, you did. But this was a zombie redneck torture family. Completely different species. <laughs> <laughs> and he just seems like a nice guy. But we find out, I don't remember if they're talking to Truman or what, but legend comes from all of the monsters that they have, which those artifacts were for. And they were remnants of the old world. Hadley's pretty mad, though, because he always wanted to see a fucking merman kill somebody. Yeah. Apparently, the cleanup's a mess, according to Sidderson. We see on the monitors, they're watching Japan, and it's in a a school. And there's a creepy, you know, stereotypical Japanese ghost girl with long hair. Straight up out of the ring. Or grudge, or any of that. Floating around, scaring the schoolgirls, right? We cut back to the cabin, and Jules is randomly doing a sexy dance by the fireplace, and... Everybody seems happy by it. But Marty says he has a theory about what's going on. <laughs> he wants to know why Kurt, the guy that's on a full academic scholarship, is acting like a macho jock. And why Jules is acting like a celebrity <laughs> And then he starts saying something about the puppeteers. And he phrases he's like, puppeteers? Pop-tarts? <laughs> I'm gonna go read a book with pictures. And right here, we're gonna cut him back and forth between the cabin, the woods, and HQ. But Kurt and Jules go out to the woods to bang, just straight up. Jules is getting cold, so she doesn't want to bang outside now. Uh, Sitterson and Hadley start controlling shit, right? Yep. They warm up the area, and they release a pheromone to get them in the mood. And that's why horror movies are so foggy. Right, right. And uh, Jules thinks it's too dark. So Citizen turns up the moon with a <laughs> dial and it makes its bed a light in the grass. And it sounds so cheesy, but it's not. It's all great. And it, it's like, this is why everything works out so perfect in a Friday the 13th movie and stuff. Like, I like how it deconstructs. This movie deconstructs the entire horror genre. Yep. Basically. I meant to say that at the beginning. From beginning to fucking end, man, it does. And. I don't remember what part that it swaps, but there's like a whole crowd of people in the room watching the monitor until she says like she's cold and like, ah, and fucking Citizen and Hadley kick him out. It's just like them, Truman, and Lynn. They're like, get out of here with your basic fucking human needs. They disgust me. But uh, Jules is ready now. She's got that sexy bed of light. And uh, Hadley and Citizen just want to see the boobs. Yeah. They explain to Truman that they have to make their customer happy. It's not for them. And the Buckners attack. Jules is stabbed in the hand. Kurt gets stabbed in the back. Jules gets bear trapped in the back, which this bear trap gets used just fucking insane. This is just a massacre, like so
1: quick. Yeah, and it's a bear trap on a fucking chain. Yeah, thrown fucking Mortal Kombat style. I love that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she's killed in the saw. I wasn't actually. I guess she was decapitated. Yeah, she's got to be because yeah. of the later scene. And uh, we cut to Sitterson, and he says a prayer. This we offer in humility and fear, for the blessed peace of your eternal slumber. And then Hadley's like, as it ever was, and he pulls this lever and it looks like, I think it's the
1: Lionsgate logo with like the gear spinning and stuff. Like, isn't that who does all the Rob Zombie movies? It, Lionsgate does the thing with all the gears, but yes, it goes from a Lionsgate opening to what feels like the shit out of blade. Yeah. Cause the, the gear spin and it breaks a vial and
0: blood drains and it goes into a stone carving of a woman.
1: Yep. I do want to point out the necklace that he kisses that the shape of yeah. that comes up later.
0: Oh, you're going to have to let me know. But we cut back to the cabin, and we see that Marty's reading Little Nemo. He's found a book with fucking pictures in it. And he keeps hearing a voice telling him
1: to go for a walk. Nemo, you got to wake up. (laughs) And uh, he says that he's no puppet, and he will not do what the voice says. I'm going to go for a
0: walk. We cut to the living room, and Dana and Holden are making out. And Dana starts acting like a virgin, like she's never done this before. And then she looks up like, what the fuck? I was just banging my professor last month. You know what I mean? Like she gets this what the fuck look on her face. Marty walks by to go outside and he's like, watch out. He has a husband bulge. (laughs) Marty goes outside and he tries to take a piss. Right as Kurt rushes by and tells him to go inside. And Patience Buckner steps out and he fucking shoulder checks her. And they barge into the cabin and shut the door. They get inside and tell Dana what happened and then the buckner show up through the front door with Jules's head and throw it in, right? Yeah. They put two and two together and realize it's from the diary. Oops. <laughs> they try to bar the door and Kurt comes up with a plan for them to stick together and they just need to barricade the whole cabin. He starts to walk by an air vent and Hadley's upset by this back at HQ and Citizen says, "Watch the masterworks." And he releases a <laughs> gas. And as soon as the gas goes by and hits him in the face and a little bit of it gets Holden, they're like, we should split up, right? (laughs) Yep. And uh, they each go into a separate room and they hit a button and locks them in their rooms, right? Marty's trying to figure out how to get out of his room and he knocks over a lamp and finds a camera. Since he's high, he thinks he's on a reality TV show. His mom might think he's a burnout, right? And uh, one of the Buckners does the staple or trope of a horror movie and reaches through the window and yanks him out. And uh, he tries to sword fight the Buckner with his bomb (laughs) cup. Like he pulls that, (laughs) I died in the theater when he did that. And (laughs) it's like Jay and Silent Bob strike back and shit. (laughs) I am the cock knocker. Uh, Marty's unfortunately disarmed and stabbed in the back and dragged off into the woods. Control room pulls the lever for Marty, which releases blood into a carving of a man drinking wine.
1: But what does any real horror movie fan know? What happens when somebody's drug out a frame and that's it? If you don't die on screen, you're not really dead. It's not just horror movies.
0: That's everything. Yeah, pretty much. But we cut back to Dana's room and Holden busts out the two-way mirror and grabs Dana. They dive into the basement, which I guess there was access from their room, to get away. And they start yelling through the walls for Kurt to do the same. Dana realizes that they're in the black room. And the black room is where Papa Buckner tortured and killed his family
1: right yeah because she's got like the there's a light bulb hanging on a wire and she like has it turned up looking around like a flashlight and shit yeah she really took a cool lamp shot. down
0: yeah, yeah yeah and they have very limited light um they're looking around for a way to get out and holden's fucking bear trapped in the back and pulled up towards the uh the hole they jumped through right yeah by papa buckner and uh dana just stabs the fuck out of him it looks like she stabs him to death so you think at least and he releases holton Uh, Kurt busts through like a, like a ground level door and they all get out, and start to run away. They get into the RV and they drive off. And when they close the RV door, you see bloody handprints on the door.
1: Well, we also get Dana dropping the knife because it shocks her.
0: Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And they don't cut to the control room. I don't think to show one of them hit it, but you hear the, like it's a buzzer. Yeah. And she doesn't really respond. Right. We cut back to the office. And we see the Japanese schoolgirls have banished the ghost into a happy frog. (laughs) Japan has failed with zero fatalities, ruining their perfect record. And Citizen's not happy with this.
2: Fuck you! Fuck you!
0: Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! They fucked us! How hard is it to kill 9 year olds We see footage of all the other countries have failed and that their monsters are defeated. And they show things that are reminiscent of several horror films. So now it's just down to the good old U.S. of A. to finish this, right? You got to buy American, <laughs> made in China. They want to know what's up with Marty because his pot was supposed to be super dosed by Kim, and he should be dosed the just be fucking dumb as hell. And Lynn's worried uh, about what the director might think about this. She says that they're humanity's last hope if they do not want the ancients to rise. And then she's cut off. Like, they hang up on her, right? Because I think she like, video called. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like I'm, like, I'm sure if you don't know what's going on in this movie, that's, like, the last. Like, what is happening right now? And then Hadley delivers, honestly, my favorite line in the movie. I laugh so hard every time. But he's like, these morons are singing what a friend we have in Shinto as we bring the pain. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. But anything Bradley oh. Whitford says in this movie is pure comic gold citizen freaks out however though because he notices that the tunnel is not blown and that the rv can actually get away he calls electrical and he finds out there's a problem so he runs in the room and he's like get the fuck out of the way and he knocks everybody out and he's pulling out wires and he basically hot wires the system blowing the tunnel and trapping them they can't get through funny story for this is uh we always have interns at work in the summer they're college kids and we try to do something fun with them afterwards and we're going to go out to like The big arcade place here, or bowling, and drinking beer, or something, and somehow we end up taking them back to David's house to watch this movie, (laughs) and Tucker and Dale, because I always watch them hand in hand, and come with us, children. and the two interns kept saying that Sitterson was David and I was Hadley. And it was just like work, you know, like, like Hadley's like trying to be the boss and in charge of doing everything. And then every now and then, like, and Sitterson has to go in and manually fix everything, right? And be the hero. And it was, it's a really funny parallel. And that's why I was like, you're like, you're describing Hadley and how you feel about him. I'm like, yeah, because I got compared to him. But I just love that scene where he runs in there and fucking hot wires it. Oh. We cut back to the road at the Rambler. And uh, they're trapped. And then Thor's like, I could jump this canyon in my motorcycle because I'm fucking Thor. Right. <laughs> and he gives this great hero speech, just like the hero on Feast, really. <laughs> Gets on the motorcycle. He jumps. He's going. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. Oh, shit. He's fried by the
1: force field. And he's fucking dead. And you just see him bounce all the fucking way down. Which is my only complaint in this entire fucking movie. Really? Shit you not. Well, no, no, no. Because bouncing physics, yo. He would not have hit it. Oh, I know, I know. Back into it that many times, but whatever. Him and that bird, they gone. <laughs> <laughs> it looked great, though. Yes, it was um, so great.
0: But Dana realizes that Marty was right about the puppeteers. And her and Holden get back in the RV. And we see HQ again pulling another lever and blood going down into a carving of a guy throwing a spear, right? Holden's trying to come up with a plan in the RV for how to get out of there. And Dana thinks it's useless. Like there's nothing we can do. They'll stop us some other way. And he's trying to give her hope. And then he's killed by one of the Buckners, just fucking stabs him through the chair and he crashes the RV into a lake. Yeah. Well it comes like right out his fucking throat. Yes. <laughs> we cut back to the control room and we see that Dana is floating to the top of the lake as we get this transition of one of them in the office pulling a beer bottle out of a cooler and it fucking looks awesome. And uh the team decides to celebrate their victory. Truman wants to know why they're partying and drinking when she's not dead yet. And they explain that she's the virgin and she has to suffer.
1: This is our final girl trope, right? Yeah. And I do want to say that first shot, because it's a shot of the monitor, like you said, but it's tilted a little bit and it's pulling away and the music kicks in. First watch of this movie, I was like, here come the credits. Yeah. Like they sold it so good. It's it's that and it's like
0: disarming. Yeah, because it's out of place with the music. Because you can see her getting her ass beat in the background on the monitors while they're drinking. And uh, Hadley starts to get emotional about how he's actually rooting for this girl. He doesn't know why. And he <laughs> thinks she can make it. And then more booze gets brought in.
2: Tequila is my lady. My lady from darkness. There is light.
0: The office crew are just partying away. And it really looks like a normal office Christmas party. Like, these are just normal People as Dana's just continually being beaten in the background on the screens. Yeah. Drew Goddard loved this scene. The studio wanted it fucking cut from the movie. Yeah. Joss defended it. They talked Joss into getting it cut, and he went back to Drew. Drew actually broke down because he liked this scene so much. Joss called the studio. Yup. They got to keep the scene. Why the fuck? I mean, I just really feel like studios don't know what the fuck they're doing or what their audience wants half the time in all
1: situations. Like the scene is so good. I don't know why you would want to cut it. Yeah. This is back to the whole MPAA video nasties, all that stuff. Why, why do some people come up with these ideas? But we see citizen and he's
0: picking on the electrical department and making fun of them for almost screwing the whole thing up and how he's not mad about it. And for not blowing the bridge up in time. And they say it's
1: not their fault. Somebody from upstairs overrode them trying to blow up the tunnel. And he looks a little shocked. Well, the exact verbiage is there was a power reroute from upstairs. But the phone rings and Hadley answers it and says that it's impossible.
0: The virgin is all that's left. <laughs> and then he's like, Which one? <laughs> we cut to the dock where Dana thinks she's safe, and the Buckner comes for her again. And then Marty saves her because he's still alive. <laughs> and he grabs her and they take off running in the woods and he takes her to the Buckner grave, which they climb into and lock. And it's like a hidden bunker with an elevator in it. And they figure out that this must be where they came from. Like it was sent to him. <laughs> there's like body parts all over the ground. And Marty's like, I had to disembowel a guy with a trowel. <laughs> I feel like it's a Night of the Living Dead reference because well, of the trowel again, right? they well, had
1: to dismember him because the hand helps out later. <laughs> Marty hacks
0: the elevator, and he and Dana take it down because there's nowhere else left to go. As they travel, they keep finding random monsters of different legends and cells. Like, you, you see a werewolf. You see a knockoff pinhead. You see, like, a little ballerina girl. Yeah, she's the sugar plum fairy. And they're freaked the fuck out. But Dana figures it out when she sees the pinhead guy. Yeah. The camera pans out and you can see how many monster cells there really are. And there's a shit ton. And it has all of the four main monsters from Left 4 Dead. Yep. Because there was going to be a Left 4 Dead like spinoff DLC. Yep.
1: Never happened. That pissed me off greatly. Well, luck. because of MGM going bankrupt.
0: That makes sense now that you say it. But,
1: and no, I'm not going to go through them all because there's too many. But watch the top right-hand corner. And one of them is a kitten. Yeah. <laughs> there's also a Reaver from... uh
0: firefly or serenity in it
1: yeah you see the reaver when all hell breaks loose
0: yeah you see all sorts of shit it's like yeah a, it's a lot it's, it's an homage to everything <laughs> jesus christ it is in the control room you can see that setterson and hadley are on this and they're tracking marty and dana through the facility and they give a kill order but the fool has to go before the virgin the elevator's taken to like a normal floor because they reroute them and there's a guard sitting there with a gun ready to get him. And he tells just the girl to get out. And then the trailed zombie arm grabs him and they rush him and knock him over and escape. I think he thinks the zombie yeah, arm he's like, thanks, zombie arm. <laughs> they wander into the halls and we hear Ripley's voice come on the intercom system. And she explains everything to them. And it's just a nice touch because she has a good speaking voice as well. And I don't know. She played this role well, but the voice explains to them that they all, all five of the innocents have to die to save the world. Right. The guards start to open fire on Dana and Marty, which is kind of odd because it seems like they would have to make sure they got Marty first, but man, they dive into another like mini control room and they see a button and they release the army of nightmares and all the guards (laughs) and the shit fucking hits the fan here. It's a massacre. All these doors start opening and these guards are just getting just destroyed by every fucking monster you saw in the cells earlier. And so many things are linked or taken from other movies, but it's pretty graphic and doesn't hold back in like a really fun kind of way. But almost the entire facility is completely wiped out, just like Josh said, so many terrible ways.
1: Uppercase fucked.
2: <laughs> Uppercase
0: fucked. And Citizen, Hadley, Lynn, and Truman seem to be the only ones still alive in their little control room. And you do see a couple other people get picked off on, like, the cameras and somewhere, and here's where your unicorn comes in. Yeah. But there's a breach and they try to hold their own like even like fucking Hadley's got an SMG and he looks like a badass trying to open up on him because they're all trained for this, I guess. And uh, Citizen's down there trying to bypass the system and get them out of an escape hatch. Truman is swarmed and he starts getting ripped apart and he uses a grenade to take out all of his attackers. Well, the concussion blows Hadley through the air and he gets knocked on the ground and you got like the ringing and he looks up and what does he see? but the fucking merman coming for him.
2: Oh, come on.
0: But Citizen and Lynn get the hatch open and then Lynn goes to jump in and through the roof comes on a giant tentacle that yanks her up, so she's gone now, I guess. And Citizen makes it down in the hatch and makes her run for it. He cuts the corner and abruptly stops as he runs into Dana and is stabbed. I'm pretty sure it's by accident. Yeah, this is running into someone
1: with a knife. This
0: is why you don't run with scissors, kids.
1: (laughs) He begs Dana to kill Marty. As he dies. Yeah. He hands her the gun and says, this will make it easier.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Marty does. And uh, it's sad to see Sanderson and Hadley die. Like I said, they're the best part of this movie to me. Yeah. They make it into a room with giant stone pillars with carvings of all of them. And they figure out that it's all a ritual sacrifice. One where they all have to be punished, not just killed.
1: Yeah. And that shot, the overhead shot first when they're in there the necklace that's the exact same symbol that's drawn the entire floor that he's okay. kissing at the end of the ritual. So it's it, its an element it's of, like of the It's like whatever this old, ancient yeah.
0: old one symbol is. I just thought that was a neat touch. The director comes in, which is Sigourney Weaver, and she explains how each culture has their own version of the ritual, but they all have the same basic core. Five youths, the whore must die first because she is corrupted. The athlete, and the scholar and the fool must die by the hands of whatever they've summoned, and the virgin must be last to live or die as fate decides. So that's your final girl trope once again. Dana finds the fact that she's the virgin comical, as you can see, she's clearly not, and the director says they work with what they got. Yep. The director explains that the Ancient Ones will destroy the earth if one ritual is not completed, and the sun rises in eight minutes, and the fool must die. Dana's standing behind Morty and she starts to aim the gun at the back of his head because she realizes she has to save the world. As she's doing this, a werewolf sneaks up behind her. And I want to say this werewolf looks better than most werewolves in werewolf movies. And it makes me kind of mad because it's like, just like a little bit part. I'm so glad you just said all that. But Marty keeps his fucking mouth shut. And really, (laughs) I'll I'll get into this at the end. Um, Marty doesn't warn her and she's fucking mauled by the werewolf as Marty tries to fight the director. Who whoops his ass into the ground. Little patience Buckner though snuck down the elevator, walks into the room, comes up and straight up fucking axe murders the director in the head. Yep. Marty kicks them over the edge, and him and Dana make their apologies to one another as the ground quakes. And <laughs> she realizes that Kurt doesn't even have a cousin. Yep. <laughs> like it was all set up. They spark up a jay and they get destroyed by a giant hand as it bursts out of the ground. The end. Couple things I want to say: so the the body count of the movie sixty nine deaths on screen. However, it's technically the whole world, so it's the largest body count ever.
1: Yeah, at the time at the time of release, it was around six point eight billion. So <laughs> I don't know if we're going to go with this as the highest or how many people were on that planet that got blown up on Star Wars <laughs> Alderaan. <laughs> Alderaan, there we You've go. Got the name of <laughs> Alderaan, <laughs> but that's what I thought of. I was like. What other movies destroyed an entire planet? But, anyways, no, I think that's that they get the 6.8 billion body count. Totally agree. Um, just a couple of things I want to point out, and maybe this from
0: a philosophical standpoint, I don't know, but uh, it, I thought it was really neat how they kill the tropes off, right? Because that covers yeah. everything you see, like Kurtz the Chad, you know, and stuff like that. But they mixed it up. Yeah. Why? And if you think about it, Kim fucked it up again. Kim fucked it up in 98 and Kim fucked it up this time. Yeah. Because they made Jules dumb with the hair bleach, right? To make her like the dumb blonde. And then you already had a
1: scholar that you turned into a jock. Well, it's because their dumb ass is fucked up and Marty was the virgin and Dana was the fool. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) And like Holden, I don't even know if I said it earlier in
0: the movie, he gets smarter as the movie goes, right? So he, And when you see him like, quick catch the football out in the street. Clearly he was the jock already. Yeah. So they mixed everybody up. Why did they do that? And like I said, I think that was foreshadowing when he's like, who fucked it up 98? Oh, it's Kim Lab, right? So, um, but really, I just think about this every time I see them partying and do their jobs. Who are the bad guys and who are the good guys here? Because the facility is trying to save the world. Yeah. And they're like, five people have to die the and the whole world gets good. saved. Yeah, it, it is, but like, <laughs> Marty's a dick. Like, if that was you and it came down to it, would you really say, fuck the world, it needs to die? No. Like, I would die and save the world, especially if I'm already fucking bleeding out like that.
1: Yeah. I, if everybody's uppercase fucked in the immediate vicinity already, well, let's give give somebody a chance. But, uh, no, you're totally right. The way it turns the whole thing on its head, and this is where it goes, Some some theories take it too far, that the audience is the... The big evil ancient gods and we have to be pleased. And the problem is, is if you give us, we say we want something new, you give us something new, we bitch about it. You give us the same tried and true. That's what we really want. But then we're going to bitch about that because it's not different and that we're impossible to please. Some of that is absolutely true. That's, oh yeah, that's definitely
0: parallels there. Yeah.
1: Taking the movie just as a piece of entertainment, I love the idea of this is how the ritual works for the ancient gods. Let's not go all the way with, oh, they're an <laughs> allegory for the audience. This movie on its own gave me new hope for the genre. I loved how it turned it on its ear. I love how it throws it in the face of the audience. Like I said, I wouldn't change one fucking bit about this except for the physics issue with fucking <laughs> Thor falling down the force field.
0: And I don't remember if it was bloody disgusting or Fangoria when the film came out, but I just remember them saying, you know, it's the one of the best horror movies of 10 years and it's a comedy and a deconstruction of the genre. And it's true, but it's just fun. Like sometimes you just need a fucking fun movie.
1: Yeah. And that's what these two episodes are about. I do have to bring up two more things. One, can't talk about this movie and not talk about the lawsuit because I forget the guy's name. Oh, this dude wrote a book and sued the shit out of them because they stole his idea.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah.
1: And the book, the group is I don't think it's a cabin, but wherever they are, it's a hidden TV show. So they got that part right. Like when Marty's chasing the line and finds the camera and they had a main chick character in there named Jules in the book. Okay, that is a very interesting name choice, but it could all be. Happenstance, but I did want to bring that up because there was a big brouhaha when this guy came out and said they stole my fucking book and turned it into a movie. It's like, no, we locked ourselves in a room for three days, and people thought that was bullshit. Like, you can't sit and write a movie in three days. Think about how many things we've already covered on this fucking podcast where people say they wrote shit in three days,
0: right? And it's two already accomplished screenplay writers in a room together writing it in three days. Yeah, and it's a short, it's an hour and a half movie that use. I mean, it's if you cut out the facility scenes, it's a slasher movie. Oh, yeah. It's just a cheesy knockoff Friday the 13th movie. Totally. And it's just not like you couldn't do it in three days. I do remember the whole story about the lawsuit and just it didn't come up. when I was researching for the movie and I just completely forgot about
1: it. Yeah, well, Ginger read the book and because she was like, I have to know more about this. She's like, there's enough stuff in there to make it interesting. But anyways, the power reroute from upstairs. Okay. Because this turned into a Reddit discussion. And if you read the book I've brought up a couple of times, it's the companion book, and it has the original script in it. It goes through all the creatures and, like, all kinds of shit. When Marty is showing Dana the elevator, he talks about how, I think I found some kind of a maintenance override is the words that he's using. In the script, anytime someone says upstairs, that means the cabin Okay. So when there was a power reroute from upstairs, it was Marty trying to hotwire the elevator. Okay. So that's why I wanted to bring that up because that kind of made that all make sense. So even when I was researching and writing my notes
0: for this episode, the upstairs thing confused me. I was like, they always say the director's downstairs and the ancient ones are downstairs. And I just, I've let it slide every time I've ever
1: watched the movie. And it's in the book that the, the upstairs is the cabin. Cause that's where I was. I was like, why did the director tell him to rewrite the, reroute the power? Right. exactly. I have to look this up, which led to Reddit, which read to the book. And this is what's hilarious. I turned to the wife and I'm like, we got to get this book. And she walks upstairs and she comes back downstairs and she's like, you really don't remember when you buy me shit, do you? <laughs> I have to borrow this book. So at any rate, I'm sorry. I went on so much stuff about this. I just, I love, 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 love this movie.
0: Enjoyed the hell out of both researching for this episode and recording it. It's just been a blast and just so much more relaxing than the last <laughs> game. But if you want to know what other horror comedy films Josh and I cover, you're going to have to tune in on the next episode when we dive into horror comedies part two, the search for more money.
2: Some shit must go down.
0: We could not get this down to just three or four movies.
1: Not with us. (laughs) Hell, we couldn't even get it down to six. I actually made Josh watch two movies for me for the next episode for me to just pick one. You know what? And I'm taking you to task on that one because (laughs) I was so happy that you were going to do a movie that was removed because it comes up in the fucking Halloween Horror Nights news. But whatever. (laughs) But either way, it was really fun to research.
0: I'm sure it's going to be fun to record again. Josh and I are going to dive right back in here in a few minutes after a break to start on that. But like we said at the beginning of the podcast, the amount of downloads we're getting in between episodes is just makes us overwhelmingly happy. You guys are obviously spreading the word. It gives us a husband's bulge. It does. (laughs) Keep on doing that. Keep checking out our Twitter at s, by s podcast and our instagram i promise i know how to use the shit now <laughs> i'll keep posting news send us any comments you have at s, by s at
1: gmail.com keep on coming back and have a good week thanks for listening
2: gotta keep the customer satisfied